theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like an old paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer at McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? They get the metric system. Welcome to the Hookup on Film with Adam and Tony. so much for joining us tonight we've got an action 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 pack show it is loaded with lots of fun and a lot of good times so thank you for joining us and i hope you have as much of a good time as we do and again thank you so much for joining us all the time because this is our midpoint of the season and we decided that we're going to kind of go through some past things that have happened in the world of film and television so please sit back and listen, and I hope you enjoy. Hello. Finally, we got some alone time together. <laughs> My, Mom and Dad need that alone time. How you doing? <laughs> doing well. Good, good, good. I don't know when you're going to release this, but yesterday we just recorded a five-man pod <laughs> and lots of different random topics. And between, I've got a kind of crazy schedule this week, and I'm not going to be available to pod as of now, like as of recording next week. And there are a lot of new movies and TV shows that I really want to talk about. So that's what we're going to do on this podcast, in this episode. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm very excited. All right. Should I do an official introduction? Do it up. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hookup on Film Mid-Year Extravaganza. My name is Adam. You can follow me on Twitter, at Millennial Socks. The other end is Tony. You can follow him on Twitter, at Chalsa01. You can follow this podcast, if you want, at the Hookup 18 And we are going to talk about some newish films and TV shows. Because as much as fun as it is talking about random scenes from Pulp Fiction, <laughs> there are some times where I want to highlight some newish movies and TV shows. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, we're going to do that. Let's do it. What do you want to talk excited. about first? I'm really excited. Um, a, a lot of these topics that you wanted to talk about, um, right off the bat, I know we'll talk about a little bit later, but these two movies you wanted me to watch, uh, Shithouse and Cha... Uh, Cha Cha Real, Cha Cha Real Smooth. Yeah, Cha Cha Real Smooth, very awesome movie. I can't. You, wait want, you want to start off with that? Yeah, we can start off with that. All right. Yeah. So there is a new movie that got released on Apple TV Plus. Uh, so if you want to watch it, that's the only place to do so. However, it only costs four ninety nine for a monthly subscription. It's worth it, I think, just for this movie alone. And if not, you don't like it, just cancel it. Whatever. Um, it was originally released in Sundance earlier this year, got bought up by Apple, and then just got released like a week or two ago. So this is a movie directed by a guy named Cooper Rafe. And I briefly mentioned him on a previous podcast, if you've listened to um, 
all of our podcasts. He directed, this is his second film. The first one he directed, it came out in 2020. That one was originally released at uh, South by Southwest. And that one is called Shithouse. And that's available to rent for 99 cents on Apple. So again, six bucks, two movies. I don't think you can go wrong. I really like these movies. Um, let me set the table before I ask you what you think. So both of these films are written, directed, produced, and starring this 25-year-old dude named Cooper Rafe. Um, Shithouse is a film about a kid who was like second semester of college, and he's having a rough go of it. And he meets, he um, hangs out with his RA, and um, they hook up and end up having uh, basically chilling that entire night. Um, I think the best way to describe it, it's kind of like the before sunrise, before sunset type movies, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely like, it was produced very, very cheaply. It definitely is a small indie film. It is a lot of talking between two characters. It kind of feels like a COVID film, even though it, um, it wasn't uh, filmed during COVID. Um Small. It's a small production. But yeah, that's right? a good way to put it. It's, it's, it's a very small production, and it's just these two characters um, getting to know each other and just hanging out over an evening. Um, and then the next film, he got uh, this guy, Cooper H, got a little bit more money, was able to get uh, Dakota Johnson and uh, Amy... Amy What's... Landecker. Amy Landecker. Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann in the next movie, yes. Leslie Mann. And Brad Garrett and it, from cha-cha real smooth yeah. and it's also weirdly like i like it because it feels like the next right project for considering his first film was a movie about him in college and cha-cha real smooth starts off with him just graduated from college uh he doesn't know what to do with his life he goes back home to his family in new jersey and ends up becoming uh, a party starter for bar and bat mitzvahs um, he ends up at the first one, he ends up meeting Dakota Johnson, uh, and she has a, a young daughter who's autistic. And a lot of the movie is um, Cooper Ray's character and Dakota Johnson's character um, and their relationship and uh, how it forms. And uh, you find out early on Dakota Johnson's character has a fiance, but there's clearly a chemistry between these two. Um, but it's also very much both of his films, I would say, are coming-of-age stories in their own right. Um, again, it, it is an indie film. It just it feels like an indie film with bigger actors. Um, but uh, what did you think? I made you... I asked Tony to watch him because, spoiler alert, I'm a big fan of Cooper Rafe. I really like both of these movies. And when I saw Cha-Cha Real Smooth was coming out, I was like, Tony, you got to watch both these movies. So he did. And uh, what do you think of him and these movies? And what do you think about Cooper Rafe? I really, really, really like Cooper Rafe. You know, I think he's somebody who's definitely, you're going to want to keep your eye on him. Um, both movies, I liked him a lot. Um, the first movie, uh, Shithouse, um, with a $15,000 budget, I thought that was, I mean, to to really, the point that the movie's trying to make, I think it really nailed it home. Um, as I mentioned, we mentioned before, Amy Landecker as the mom, she's, she's really great. She was in Transparent. Um, I liked her a lot. Um, but the second movie, the one that just was released on Apple, um, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, um, really, 
really good movie, a good second movie, like you said. It's a continuation. Um, now it's after college. Um, a lot of really, really good performances in there. Um, I was reading a lot. A lot of people were comparing um, Cooper Rafe to like some of Greta Gerwig's work. Um, Jay Duplass, who stars in the first um, in the in, in in Shit House, he doesn't star in it, but he has a small role. Um, really awesome. Um, I I've always been a huge fan of Dakota Johnson. Um, I really like a movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon. I thought she was really good in that oh, movie. Oh, friend. I was about to say, I haven't really enjoyed Dakota Johnson until this movie, but then I forgot she's in Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. I, and that that's another small movie. Also, with a, surprisingly, with a, another person with mental disabilities in it. But um, <laughs> it's it's got Shia LaBeouf and Dakota, <laughs> Fred. It does have Dakota Johnson in it. And that's, um, that's a really good movie. Definitely seek that out if you can. It's really, um, I like that movie a lot. That one really kind of snuck under the uh, under the radar. Um, she's also really good. I liked her in Black Mass and Bad Times at El Royale. Um, and she's got a couple others. I know she's not the, ba- the best, but she, she does a good job. In this movie, I liked her performance. Yeah, it's. I was going to say, oh, man, I, <laughs> I wish I probably should have looked up Brian DB because I, I like a handful of those movies you just mentioned. But, I try um, to, what I try to do is like, I'm trying to now go like, I know where we're, you know, I'm trying to look at the, the she, she, but she does have, you know, um, some not so good movies like the, uh, what are those erotic, stupid erotic ones? The Fifty did? Shades of Grey movie yeah, she's in. those movies were. She's also, I was like in a hotel last year and I was watching, she's in this movie with the mom from Blackish and it's i know what you're talking about. i can't even I, it's I this, yeah I it's not important she's, she's also been in some kind of stinkers oh, too yeah. um she doesn't really get a chance to shine i don't think in um black mass but she's she's really really good i it's weird so i do think she's a little miscast in the sense that she probably is too young for that role yeah. but it reminded me a little bit of jennifer lawrence and silver linings playbook in the sense where an actress who's very obviously too young to play that part but it still works nonetheless because of her charm and magnetism and personality i often often forget she's in your favorite movie um i often forget she's in the social network yeah yeah she and and that was on actually within the last couple months and i remember going is that dakota johnson because i even forgot about it but she's uh you know but you know, she's in need for speed. Like you said, that's not, you know, the best, you know. But, um, um, going back to Cooper Rafe, because it's very yeah. much as a Cooper Rafe. I was yes. thinking, so in Cha-Cha Real Smooth, um, he gets this role as a party starter because he chaperones his uh, younger brother to a bar mitzvah, and they don't have a party starter, and he essentially acts like one. And you see him, he's got this magnetism he kind of draws you in he's charming everyone he's charms dakota johnson he's charming all these jewish mothers and at the same time he's charming the audience and bringing them in and i kind of think that's what cooper rafe as a filmmaker does is that i mean as a writer director he's able to write and play to his own strengths but he has this ability where like i feel like when i describe those movies it's like it doesn't necessarily get people to be like, oh, I got to see that. Um, it's not like a good, these aren't really good necessarily elevator pitches, but I think Cooper Rafe, 
um, has such a mastery over this indie filmmaking and has such a mastery over putting himself in these projects that he has this ability to bring the audience in. And I felt like even necessarily, if I didn't necessarily were in these specific situations, it evoked a mood that I've definitely felt before. And I definitely felt the mood and the vibe of the film that it just, it sucked me in even more. And I just think these are really solid indie films that um, well, that you're gonna like. I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I hate to com- I compare it to something, but like, um, I, I love, every type of movie so the last episode we were talking something about roadhouse this movie it brings me in exact it doesn't bring me in the same way but it brings me in because i love movies like this it's you hit it earlier when you said um it's it's an intimate movie these are intimate performances um leslie mann you know does a really good job too but you know you're talking about uh cooper rafe being a director he's starring in these he's producing that's not easy at all so much credit really awesome i think the greta gerwig comparison is a good one i yeah. initially went to link ladder just because there's so much yeah. of the before movies and shit yeah. house yeah. um and I, I do think he has a little bit of link ladder himself but i think the greta gerwig one is a really good someone um, said sophia coppola you know i i don't i i'm not you know. <laughs> it's I, I can definitely see it a little you know a little bit of lost in translation ish yeah i'm curious to see what his next movie's going to be it excites me because these were good left left st- uh going up a ladder type of movie yeah hunt that's a great one definitely like this was i think the right next step for him where he definitely was able to get a little bit of money to actually get legit actors you know dakota johnson's the first name to sell this movie even though this is very much cooper rafe's character's film and it's very much his movie you know sometimes you need to put a star on the poster to get people and and i do think dakota johnson does a great job i do think her and cooper rafe have really great chemistry and I just, I think it's a really good indie coming of age story. And I don't know about you, but like after, you know, I've seen him go to law school, but after law school, I was at a point, I went there after college. So I was at a point where I was kind of lost. I couldn't get a job yeah. yet. Yeah. And I was working, my brother was working for like this food and arts and crafts blog. So like I worked there for like six months before I got my job as a prosecutor. And I kind of felt like that same way that Cooper Rafe's character. He's working at this um, store in the mall called Meat Sticks, <laughs> where they sell corn dogs and stuff, which I thought was a great name. Um, well, I don't want to give anything away, but you, the thing that really brought me in the most is um, these movies don't. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't. Uh, I don't. I like that it doesn't end on that. You know cherry on top it doesn't you know it doesn't end the way you would think it would end i liked it It was a good movie it definitely was good um can i ask you it, something have you ever been to a bar mitzvah did you go to bar mitzvahs when you were 13 uh i've been to one i've been to one before so yeah. I, i'm jewish and I, I lived in a very jewish neighborhood so i went to a bunch of bar mitzvahs and uh i gotta say they kind of nailed a lot of aspects of it let, but, let uh, have, i wish if i knew you when we were growing up i would have snuck with you to everyone if i wasn't invited because they're awesome very awesome it def- i will say i did find it weird that like i never had to have a chaperone to these bar mitzvahs yeah. we were 13 year old kids just left alone to party and get <laughs> drunk on virgin shirley temples <laughs> dance the night away <laughs> but yeah
Yeah, I no. mean, it definitely, though, uh, worth checking out. Um, one more comparison. It, you know, it, they're not the same kind of movie at all, but it, they're kind of, I like, like, Guy Ritchie's first two movies, Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, and Snatch. Um, there's a ladder. They're not the same, but they're different. That's what these movies are. They're, 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 they're two different movies, but you could say it's a continuation of a good director. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, hundred. I mean, don't definitely don't go in expecting the style and violence of Guy Ritchie, but I understand. That's why I said, you know, yeah. if I could get you, if you, if hey, if we can get some more people to see it, maybe you know, you never know. That's what you want to do. All right, so that's well, I was going to say, let's. that was a, a small movie that got released that I hope we can shine a light on to some people. But let's talk about um, one of the big sexy movies that recently got released to a streaming service. And that's uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. So it's definitely um, a movie that I think a lot of people saw in theaters. You and I aren't really going to the theaters. We got small kids at home. Yeah. But we do catch movies when they come to streaming services. It dropped last week on Disney Plus. It is the second um technically the second Doctor Strange, but obviously it's like the bajillionth Marvel movie. It is directed by Sam Raimi, who um obviously he's a not only is he a horror director, but he was one of the first people to really crack the code of a superhero movie thanks to the Spider-Man trilogy and especially those first two. So it was kind of interesting to see him in this Marvel framework. What did you think about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, there's a lot into it, a lot of information, a lot of stuff to keep up with. But overall, I really liked it. Um, I was a fan, a lot of uh, Michael Giciano's music. Um, he did a really good job. Giacchino, I think, is how it's pronounced. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to help me on that one. He won the best. Uh, he won the best score for Up. That, that was pretty cool. But the movie, I'm a Sam Raimi fan. Um, of course, Spider Man started him with all of that. A little before that, he started a little bit with Dark Man. That was kind of a superhero thing too. But this is coming full spectrum. I mean, a 200 million dollar budget. Um, I liked it. I liked it. It um, was, I think, the best praise is that it was solid. I yeah, think, and yeah. it, it's it's tough for me personally because I think I went into it a little bit with a like a fuck this attitude. I know um, we talked about this before earlier. Yeah. Podcast, yes, but hey, I was, you know, hey, that sometimes, you know, that's I've, you know, I've never really followed the character besides these movies, so you know. I don't get super excited, but, you know, I'll watch it. But so, like, I had, like, listened to podcasts, and there's a scene, like, the Illuminati scene, which is, I think, the big scene that people like to talk about from this movie, because there's um, a lot of good cameo and a lot of juicy nerdness into it. And so, like, I knew all that stuff going in. I knew kind of a lot of the beats and plot of this story. Um so that's why I said, like, I like I watch all these Marvel movies, and especially considering I'm paying for Disney Plus anyway, this is like no skin <laughs> off my back. Um, it definitely was better than um, I thought it would be, and I think I probably would have liked them more if I didn't have such a negative attitude going yeah. into it. I think if you wanted to see this, you were probably happy with it. Um, very obviously, MCU is going in this multiverse direction. I think it explained the concepts like pretty well to like a mass audience. Um, 
I did enjoy the Sam, like, I thought Sam Raimi was able to put a little bit of his imprint on it um, with a little bit of the horror in the second act. Um, Bruce Campbell as Pizza Papa? Yeah, Bruce Campbell has to have his his, um, cameo in it. But right after that, there's a scene where Wanda is chasing... Um, the protagonist, and she looks she looks like she's a zombie, like she's in a zombie movie. Oh yeah! And I, I thought that was like I thought it was a nice nod that Bruce, um, not Bruce Campbell, that Sam Raimi was able to add a little bit of his horrorness, horror, not horrorness, horror. <laughs> hey, he's great at it. Um, there's just I will. There's just sometimes and. Like, I don't know what I'm expecting from Marvel at this point, but, like, a lot of the major plot point happens where um, Doctor Strange and this character, America Chavez, enter this alternate universe, like, uh, enter this multiverse, and it's like, oh, you can never know what to expect, and the only things that are different are um, red is green and green is red with stop signs and pizzas and balls instead of a slice, and it's like, there's you're literally saying there's infinite number of possibilities. There's a scene where you see them enter some really cool multiverses and this is what you come up with. It it just is so Marvel. It's just so lowest common denominator sometimes with this stuff. I, I'm where it's like... Uh, that's, that's... Okay, back to Sam Raimi for a minute. He doesn't come out with the movie for nine years before this movie. And it's Oz, the Great and the Powerful. Did you ever see that one? I didn't mind that movie. I have to watch it. I've never seen it, so I can't comment. Drag the Drag Me to Hell was right before that. That was pretty good. Spider Man Three. That was the one before that. So I mean, he hasn't done a lot up until Doctor Strange in the you know. But I think he. I think it was great that he got the job. And it was also so it. part of the thing is that the original director Scott Derrickson he directed the first. That's right. That's um, right. Doctor Strange, and he's a good horror director in his own right. He did Sinister, and he just came out with a new movie. I think it's called The Black Phone or something. Oh, he did The Black Phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See. Um. So he dropped out, and Kevin Feige, the Almighty, powerful, the, he's the Oz, great and powerful of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He got his start on the as a producer on those Spider-Man movies. So I think in a time crunch, he just asked, like, probably threw all the money in the world in Sam Raimi. I was like, can you come and fix this movie? Can you finish it for me? So a little bit, he was a gun for hire. Um, I, he, I don't think he really got a chance to fully put his thumbprint on it. But I feel like he was able to do it enough. So the yeah, point I mean, where it's 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 a it definitely feels like it was turned out of the Marvel machine, but you know Sam Raimi is such a good and comp, like at minimum he's a competent director. I don't I, sometimes I can come off as a pejorative and I don't necessarily mean it in this instance. Um, that he's done these superhero movies, he's done these big big budget blockbuster superhero movies. There's like boom, come in, finish it, able to put a little bit of his thumbprint on it. But I think it would have been nice, like, what happens if he had done this movie from the get-go? Yeah, I guess I didn't think of that. You're right. He would, it probably would have been, um, it probably would have been a little bit, it would have been a little bit better, maybe. But, you know, I think it's, like I said, I went in thinking it was going to be bad. I heard a lot of people crapping on it, and I, and like, I think the best thing I can say is it's, it feels like a Marvel movie. Uh, had you seen WandaVision? You've seen WandaVision, though, right? Yeah. Yes, I have. That I, That's... 
like I have a, a buddy of mine who saw this in, in theaters and he was like, I didn't like, I don't have Disney plus. He doesn't have kids. Yeah. So that part was kind of confusing and it was a little bit of like a shitty, like, Hey, you got to get now watch all these TV shows too. Not only were you watching all these movies, but like you needed to understand where Wanda was coming from. I feel like to get a better understanding of this movie. Well, yeah. I mean, you definitely, um, that's, that's why I said it's a lot coming at you. You got to do some research before. And I mean, let me be honest with you. I probably would enjoy this movie if the theaters never shut down and I still am going to the movies regularly. I probably would have maybe went and saw it and I might have enjoyed it. But, you know, we've already kind of commented on it. I'm not super excited about it, but I watched it. It was enjoyable. You know, that's how I kind of think about it. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed if you watch it. It's no, I mean, the best compliment we can praise it. No, I mean, you like Sam Raimi. I mean, it's definitely worth watching just for him. But like you said, it would have been nicer to see his full Army of Darkness, Evil Dead stamp right on it. A uh, real quick trivia question. What baseball movie did Sam Raimi direct? Did he do... Um... <sighs> It's the one where Costner pitches a perfect game. Yeah, good job for the love of the game. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I well, I think that's see like that's like he directed that. Like I can't. He also uh, the Cohen brothers. He directed the Hudsucker Prophecy, and they wrote it. That's kind of interesting. But uh, again, no, it's not. No, it's definitely worth trying to check out. But you won't be. You shouldn't be disappointed. All right. Do you want to talk about TV next, or do you want to go on to movies? We could go on to TV. All right. What do you want to talk about first, the old man or the bear? Ooh, we could talk about. We'll start with the bear. All right. So the bear is a film. This film is a moot. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is a TV show from FX. You can find it on FX on Hulu. Uh, its first season was all dropped at once. You can find all eight episodes. Uh, it is about, a, and I think this will appeal to a lot of our fans because it is about an Italian um, uh, oh beef, Italian beef shop, Italian. What, what do you want to say? An Italian, Italian freaking beef shop. It's it's a go. it's a small shop. In uh, I figured it out. It was because we're taxing like what neighborhood is this in? They said it at one point. It's a neighborhood. It's a a restaurant in River North. It's this very tiny mom and pop shop where, um, yeah, they basically serve like a, a Italian beefs and chickens and sandwiches and apparently cake, a little bit of Portillo's cake in there. Yeah. Um, it stars this dude from Shameless and I should know these actors' names. Jeremy Allen White. Jeremy Allen yes. White, yes. He, he was on Shameless, another show set in Chicago. And he was this uh, sous chef at one of the greatest restaurants in the world, this three-star Michelin, uh, Michelin restaurant in New York. Uh, the head chef is a cameo by uh, Joe McHale. Oh, yeah, that was good. And um, his brother passed away suddenly. He um, committed suicide and left the restaurant to uh, this guy, Carmi. And there's all sorts of problems with it. They're having money problems. It's a small shop, and you find out that uh, his, like, uncle like he owes him like three hundred thousand dollars and his staff great is very oliver assistant. Platt. the uncle's great, great as well. oliver platt's great as well. um his cousin who's played by the reporter dude in the dropout yeah um 
he's causing all sorts of trouble and uh i don't know if i'm doing a great job selling the show this is a very good show you should watch the show, show. I mean, the show is really um i was actually watching it before we came on here it's gritty it's awesome um jeremy allen white i mean i watched all the shameless um he was awesome on shameless and i'll be honest with you when this trailer dropped i made jokes i made fun of it i go what is this a rip off of shameless it's nothing like shameless a movie i enjoy a lot is a movie with bradley cooper where he's the cook burnt uh, burnt i i don't know why i like that movie so much i think it's just the ridiculousness of being a cook in the kitchen um food i love food um this show is definitely that um the music in this show i was listening today on the radio they were just hyping up the music a lot of good uh matching up with the music to the show all right let me ask you about that what so they played sue john stevenson chicago and i yeah and normally i'm like Shit like that, that's too on the nose. Like, the song is literally called fucking yeah. Chicago. Yeah. And it's a show set in Chicago. Yes. But then it started, like, playing over, like, this opening, like, montage. And I was like, man, this just fucking works. Yeah, that's actually what they talked about on the radio today. And I hadn't seen that part yet. And I came home and I watched it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 what it does a lot of is it, it's not, it's not, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it makes you feel the characters. They're not like, the, the story isn't like super, super, super deep and, sh- you know, but it is deep in the fact of emotions. Um, yeah, the stakes aren't like necessarily world ending yeah. high, but it's high for these characters who all they have is this restaurant and it's failing and it's not working. Um, the, yeah. the plot of the second episode is them getting a bad grade on the health inspector exam. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to give away who you find out who the brother is, but it's definitely, that's right there worth watching. Um, the surprise of who you find out the brother was who committed suicide is off. Well, it's not awesome. They commit suicide. I, I literally, I texted you. I was like, dude, he's in the show. Yeah, you did. And honestly, even today, my wife, because I told her as soon as you texted me, I go, oh, you won't believe who he said's on the show. And I told her, and then today she's like, who do, who's on the show again? And then we watched it, and he was on there. What I really liked was a little bit of 80s Molly Ringwald as the Alan and I. I didn't even realize that she was in it until yeah, I, like I later. It's like, oh, yeah. Because this show does have a lot of cameos in yeah. it. That's honestly what honestly what shocks me about the show most. Because when I put it on or I saw it was coming on, I'm like, is Jeremy Allen White really going to uh, hold this? I do like Ebon Moss Backrack. He's been on um, – yeah, he's he was the reporter in the dropouts. He plays this like um, off the wall yeah. cousin who's yes. like kind of causing chaos. Um, he's 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 definitely worth. Um, you know, he also had he was also on the Punisher. Um, he was a series, series regular on, when that show was on. Um, but he's he was he's solid. Um, yeah, the show the sh- very much feels like people in an actual restaurant having actual restaurant problems. Um, and I don't know if necessarily that's a selling point to people, but it just... It, I it, saw it, talk about wanting to go out and get a roast beef while watching the show. So uh, that, I, that, I, that, I literally, Again, I texted... I think yeah. I tweeted that. Yeah. I texted you. I yeah. was like, I've been watching the show for three hours and I've you been wanting an Italian beef for the last two and a half. Maybe. You actually started watching it before me. Another person posted it, watched it. I go, 
what is what are they even talking about? There's no way. And then I'm watching it. And I'm like roast beef, roast beef. I'm like, that's it. That's what they were talking about. It's it's good. I like it. Um, it's like I don't even like know necessarily why it's good because like we're just kind of going over plot points, but like it's it's character driven. You really feel for these characters. It um, reminds me a lot of the same reasons why you like um, you know, shit house and why you like it's not really anything, it's the characters. It's it's just there's something there that you can't even see that makes it great. That's why I like the it. only flaw I have with the show is there are sometimes where they pull on a thread and they don't complete it. Yeah. So like I said in the like one of the very first episodes is them getting a bad health inspector grade. Yeah. yeah. And then it, they like they they still have people in the restaurant. The restaurant doesn't fail. They never go like go back and um that. like have the health inspector that. come back and say, "Oh, you guys got an A now." I never thought of that. You're right. I never thought but of that. It's also part of the reason you didn't think of it is that it's minor, right? It's like right. not that big of a deal it actually um, is to me though when you say it because like to give them that bad grade and they're so upset and you think but i don't know you know i know they're probably definitely going to do another season do you like it being dropped all at once like that or do you like it um time? it was because my wife's not home right now so i was able to watch all the episodes at once so from that aspect it was nice but i think this was a show that would be probably better served if the episodes were released weekly. Like, it's not that type of show where there's like all this plot and stuff. Yeah, so um, in a little bit more, a little bit more of what's going on. And I also think that the flaws that I had of like, you know, nothing happens out of that health inspector grade. Like, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I would have minded that even less had this been spaced out weekly, and I had not realized that that was a plot an hour. I watched an hour before. Now I'm looking at what the, the guy who created this and directed it, uh, some of the stuff he's done before. Um, he directed this movie really quick. It was dropped uh, recently. It's called The Rental. It's a horror movie, kind of. It's directed by Dave Franco. That wasn't very, it was a very good movie. And Jeremy, Jeremy Allen White starred in that too with Dave, Dan Stevens and Alison Brie. Um, he's, he's good. I mean, Do you know who Alison Brie's married to? Oh yeah, Dave Franco. Yep. Which really quick, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I want to go off just the topic for one minute. Um, a lot on TV. I want to ask you your opinion on this movie really quick. Um, what did you think of The Disaster Artist? I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. yes. And I also enjoyed it for a lot of meta aspects about yes. Franco's career. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's been on Showtime every day. And I didn't enjoy it the first time I seen it. But I can't stop watching it and laughing at it, and it's ridiculous. Yes. Have you seen The Room? Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> so my, like, when The Disaster Artist was coming out, I invited a couple of my buddies over to my basement, and we got drunk, and we watched The Room. Oh, that was and, uh, Like, that's definitely the way to watch The Room. And The Disaster yeah. Artist, if you don't know, is the making of this terrible movie of The Room. You're tearing um, me apart, Lisa. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Um, but it's, I mean, it's like hard, if you haven't seen it yet, I, I imagine it could be hard for some people because it stars James Franco, That's who, as problem. we now know, That's is not a nice person. That's why I talking about it because I'm like, hey. uh, real quick too, do you think that's why he wasn't in the new Spider-Man? Uh, I bet you it didn't help, but also, yeah. uh, no, like they only brought back... I also don't know how it would have made sense plot-wise because they only brought back the Spider-Man. 
but the bear is definitely uh back a uh, bear is definitely worth watching um definitely um it's a unique title to, is that that's the name of the restaurant right it's the name of the restaurant that it's going to be in season two gotcha 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 because like his neck his their last name is like Berzinski or something gotcha uh, yeah, it is a bad. It, it definitely is a bad name for the show, especially in this first season. Because the restaurant is called the Beef. I, you know, and I'm not throwing this out there, but you know, Jeremy Allen White. You know, he's somebody who eventually, you know, he, you know, he's around Chicago a lot. He's, you know, a lot of these actors are around Chicago a lot. It's not probably tough to, you know, to where they're filming and stuff. It it is like, it definitely like one of the good that. There are some moments. Okay, I tw- I tweeted about this too, so I'm gonna just repeat on the pod though. There's an episode in season four where the two main characters, Carmi and Richie, played by the Jeremy Allen White and Evan Backeracker, I don't know their name. They have two, three names and they're all very long, and I don't know them, and I apologize. <laughs> I should show them more respect, but anyway, <laughs> they're driving up to Oliver Platt's house, who lives in the suburbs, and they have that entire episode is very much like the Californians SNL sketch version of Chicago. What are you doing on the Kennedy? We're supposed to be on the Edens. We're going to Libertyville. No, we're going to Highland Park. Is that the episode where all the kids fall asleep? Yes. 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 That, um, that was good. There's, there's a, in that same episode, Oliver Platt is like, uh, there's a phone number, 847-555. And the dude is like, no, I'm 312. At another, at another time, I'll have to tell you how much I, I love Oliver Platt. So when I saw him in the show, he, he's great in the show. Really good. But I was, I was sorry. I, I went on this tangent just because outside of that episode, I thought uh-huh. this show did a really good job of feeling like a Chicago show. Oh, yeah. Feeling like yeah. a Chicago show without yeah. being super overt about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's like not a – like I said, you see like the L a couple times and – um you know, one of the characters, um, oh yeah, you, like you see, and uh, I don't know, I'm going with this, it's not important. Outside of that episode where it was, it was very much a name droppy Chicago show, it felt like this is 100% a family restaurant in Chicago. Like they didn't even have to say they're in Chicago and you could have known it because it definitely, and that's like, because so, so, I don't know if it was actually filmed in Chicago or if it was filmed elsewhere, but. You know, sometimes once they say it's like in Chicago, um, for some reason, the, the first example that comes to me is the movie 8-Bit Christmas, this terrible yeah. um, <laughs> Christmas movie that got released last year. Like they said, yeah. they're from a suburb of Chicago and like you can 100% you can as Chicago adjacent people, like you can definitely tell they're not. And that's one of the things that bugs me. It's like, hey, we're in Chicago. Look at this accent I'm doing. Did, did you happen to catch where... Um... Uh, in the Cha Cha movie, where that was taking place at, um, this uh, like um, suburban New Jersey. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty. I thought that was that was pretty. Good. It's it's cool in these movie shows, like you said, where you keep it, where you kind of tell where the locale is. Um, definitely not like that in the next show we're going to talk about the old man. But um, wait, with Cha Cha, so Cha Cha real smooth. It comes from this like, uh, do you know that the song that goes. Cha-cha real smooth, and it's like this dancey. Yeah. Dude, the... <laughs> is that where it comes from? Yeah, it's it's like a lyric in the song that's played at bar mitzvahs and weddings and stuff. But, oh, the cha-cha slide. Yes, it's from the cha-cha slide. How low can you go? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So oh. that's where the name, it's again, 
Both, both you gotta watch this movie definitely. Yes. I didn't know I, that. Stuff. Both both Shithouse and Cha Cha Real Smooth don't have the greatest names. But you know what I wanted to talk about real quick is that that's actually sometimes will bring people will bring people in like Hamlet too. Hamlet too. What Hamlet too? You know. But at so, least the the play that they're putting on it's called Hamlet too. Well, I know. Well, Shithouse is the name of the uh, what do you call it? the fraternity or what party that they went to in the first part of the movie. That's why I was like, when you told me that movie, I'm like, you like a movie called Shithouse? What's this gonna be about? But it was really actually not like the title at all. Sometimes that's kind of kind of cool. But uh, but uh, a show that is very much of its title is The Old Man. Yes. Um, three. So this is another FX on Hulu production. Only three episodes, though. Maybe four. I've only seen the first three. Have only been three. released. Only three okay. episodes. Yeah. And it uh, stars Jeff Bridges and um, John Lithgow. Jeff Bridges is the titular old man, and um, it's basically a spy thriller, uh, tete a tete between Bridges' character and John Lithgow's character. And this show friggin' rocks. Yeah, it's it's really, really, really good. And actually, it's I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to be this good, though. Um, Jeff Bridges, especially, um, recently he was diagnosed being sick. Um, he must have filmed this before that, I'm guessing? Or... No, they had it. So not only did he get, I think, John Hopkins lymphoma. Yeah, yeah. But also a real bad case of COVID during that before or during. No, du- they both during filming. So I think what we're seeing, we're seeing. I think a lot of the reason that we're seeing so many great TV shows now is because there was this logjam due to COVID. Whether people actually got COVID or delays because of COVID, and now all these shows are getting released. And this was definitely um, a production that was plagued by COVID, in part because Jeff Bridges got COVID, and thank God he didn't die although yeah and there are some times where he looks like fuck you definitely look like you have cancer and covid oh that's what's what's crazy that's why like some of those scenes like the ending scene of the first episode where he's wrestling with that guy outside of the car um to me that's really some peak filming um it was also that's also another show that's directed by somebody who you would not think that would direct. Oh, dude, I friggin' I mean, speaking of Spider-Man, yeah, the first two episodes are directed by John Watts, who did the um, MCU uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Yes. Um, and those first two episodes, especially, are so well directed. They are very. Um, well it's like, oh shit! Like, John, are we wasting? John Watts doing these Spider-Man movies. Have you seen Cop Car, his first movie? Yes, yes. Um, Cop Car is actually really, really good. Um, a really good uh, movie, especially for what it for what it you know what it is. I like that movie a lot. I I, I need to see it because I really like the Spider-Man movies, and I really like how these first two. Real quick um, story. A real, real quick story that I've always liked that I heard about John Watts is that when the first Spider-Man was being filmed with Sam Raimi, who we talked about earlier, he had an apartment that was downtown, and he was just it was way before anything, and he just remembered going down there and watching him film it. Imagine doing that, and then later you're directing three of probably the most famous Spider-Man movies. That's pretty cool how that happened, but definitely him doing the old man really um makes the show really go it a lot of it has like these dude dad airport book vibes to it 
of yeah. like these two older gentlemen who used to be spies in the 80s. Um, there's a, a secret that binds these two based upon the um, Afghanistan-Russian conflict in the 80s. And the show is um, kind of, uh, you know that both Bridges and Lithgow don't want things to come out. So now, um, you know, I don't like want to like, this is very much a plot driven show. So I don't necessarily want to give out too much plots, but it's definitely, there's this plot of the CIA is chasing Jeff Bridges' character. While also you're seeing flashbacks of Jeff, young Jeff Bridges um, in Afghanistan. Yes. And, uh, you know, they also, at some point, you get a young John Lithgow, too. I liked your comment about uh, young Jeff Bridges. Yeah. So we've seen, so the the guy's like, like mid 20s, mid 30s, he's yeah. supposed to be. But I don't I got know about funny like... when you're done here. I have another actor he's played in a young version of that I want to ask you about, but continue first, real quick. But so there's, yeah, there's a lot of this young Jeff Bridges who is just so weird to me because we've now gotten to the point where Jeff Bridges, where he's been acting for so much of his life, we knew what Jeff Bridges looked like and sounded like when he was in his mid twenties and mid thirties. <laughs> so seeing the guy does kind of look like him, he does. but Jeff Bridges has a very particular way of talking. Um, his accent is very, very particular that. I think that maybe like they smartly didn't even try to do it, but that part was like initially jarring because I was like, oh man, I like when they try to de-age um, Michael Douglas in Ant-Man, that first (laughs) Ant-Man movie, they were talking about like, we've seen a young Michael Douglas. We know like what he's supposed to look like at this age. And like, you can't necessarily, they're not going to waste money nor actually spend that much time de-aging Jeff Bridges, but it was, it's just it's just a little bit jarring. I got over it pretty quickly, but the dude who plays a young John Lithgow fucking sounds like John Lithgow. It's fucking crazy. He does a good job. He does a really good job as the young uh, John Lithgow. The the scene where young Jeff Bridges and young John Lithgow meet, they they very the show very smartly doesn't go, "Hey, I'm John I forgot it's Dan Chase and I yeah. can't remember Harold Harper. Harold yeah, Harper. they're like, Hey, I'm Dan Chase. I'm Harold Harper. Nice to meet you. You know what I mean? I know. They, they the show very smartly just like um puts these two characters and like you you figure it out very quickly because you're not an idiot that they're the young versions. But also again, even if they didn't or they they weren't as smart like that guy sounds exactly like John Lithgow and he looks a little bit like him too, but like his voice, like holy crap. Was, um, it, that part was mind-boggling. I really liked uh, a couple of the female leads that I've seen so far in the show, too. Like Allie Shaw, Kat, she does a good job. Amy Bremen, and she does really good as the... Um, I often forget she's in Heat, as De Niro's woman in Heat. She she basically is just like a 20-year-old... Uh, um, that character, just 20 years older. <laughs> <laughs> like, I expected her to go up to Dan Chase and it's like, what are you reading? A book yeah, about medals? That was good. No, that was, I didn't really think of it like that. That was some of your best work right there. Yes, that was, and it literally is a continuation of, because when she finds out who he really is, that's kind of her reaction. It's the same exact reaction. It's, it's a, I, I love Amy Brenneman. She's great, but. She is. It's... No, you're right. I, I also like her a lot in the real cheesy uh, Fear with Mark Wahlberg. She plays the mom that of them. Leftovers. Did you ever watch The Leftovers? I fucking love The Leftovers. Yeah, she was great in The Leftovers. That was a really good show. Um, 
but yeah, Alias. So there's um, a reveal with Alias Shawcat's character in the third episode, which I really, it's like the show is just so smart in the sense is like, that's something that a lesser show would have held on to the very end. Yeah. And they introduced it because a lot of people had guessed it already. And I think I heard a podcast that I guessed it already, and I guarantee you the Reddit boards guessed it already. And so I think the show like wasn't trying to hide it so much. So they're like, screw it. Let's just release it now. So we don't have like a Westworld situation where everyone knew Ed Harris was yeah. the young version of, um, I forgot who the younger version was in the first season. It's been a while since I watched it, but um, like everyone knew that they were the same characters, like from the get go. Yeah, I know. It's Jimmy it, Simpson is the actor. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God, Jimmy Simpson's great. What's he been up to? Uh, oh, I just watched him in... Um, okay, I, I need your help pronunciation real quick. Um, in Doctor Strange. Um, what's his name? Stillbark? Chisel for... Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. His show on Showtime, um, The Man Who Fell to Earth, he's on that show. It's, it's a pretty good show, but uh, continue now. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, j- yeah, so I was just going to say, thank you. It's just been a while. I know you just talked <laughs> about Westworld on the last podcast we did, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, so like the reveal that Jimmy Simpson and Ed Harris's character were the same person was something that the internet had gossiped yeah. long before the reveal. And I th- like this show could have done something similar with the Alia Shawcat reveal and it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just shows how smart that the show is. Um, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm really interesting to see where it goes. Um, also, um, yeah, because I believe there's seven episodes. I think I checked on that. There's not, you know, which is an odd amount. But uh, FX has been dropping some good shows. There's I mean, a, both of these shows. Yeah, there was a part of me that was like, John Lithgow isn't on the same level as Jeff fucking Bridges. But then, like, watching the show, I'm like, that's a, like, he's, John Lithgow maybe not, is not as famous. But holy shit, is that dude just a great fucking I, I actor? Wish I, I wish we had time to, like, pause or i wish i was lived near you during this week of your wife because john lithgow um there's some really good underground stuff but you know he there's he does so much different kind of work too he's played bad guys like in cliffhanger he's fifth uh what's that the sun um fifth rock from the sun third rock from the yeah sun. so that's when i first i yeah. knew john lithgow was like this um sitcom dad from third rock from the sun yeah. and then i see him in the fourth season of dexter and yeah. i was like holy <laughs> shit this yeah. is the same person um, i mean john lithgow really, yeah. is like again he's not as famous as jeff bridges but he's very much as talented as jeff bridges there's some and, early like he's in some early Brian De Palma movie. He's in a movie with uh, Denzel called Ricochet. He's a bad guy. He gets really creepy, like as obviously you told it saw in Dexter. But uh, he's totally awesome on the show and holds his own definitely. But even though they so far haven't shared scenes in person together, like they very much hold their own against each other. Well, they did um, when they were younger. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't really them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm, they're they're both they're so freaking good. This movie has got some excellent action scenes in its own right. This movie is uh, keeps seeing movie TV show. Um, it's character driven. It's uh, it's got a lot of spy aspects. That's really good. The the negative critique I had so far is I don't care so much about the past. Like, I don't care about Jeff Bridges in Afghanistan so much. And a lot of the third episode focused on that. So well, did you I, pick, did you pick up like, isn't that like 
I don't want to give it away. We'll have to talk at a later time. But like I said, uh, it's, it's just that doesn't interest me as much as the Lithgow versus um, Jeff Bridges aspect well, is of she, it. Is, is Shawcat somehow related to Afghanistan? Because isn't her mom? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I know. I, think I know it, what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I just think it, it's not as, like, I don't. No, it's not. If, if this I mean, show had very not. much just been like. Jeff, because in the first two episodes, it's like Jeff Bridges screwed over this guy, this Afghani warlord. Yeah, no, and now right, this Afghani right. warlord um, wants his pound of flesh. If yes. they had just like left it at that, you're I would right, have been a hundred percent fine with it. That's why I was like, for a show this smart, like I don't care so much about the Afghani stuff. I, I get what you're saying. That um, makes sense when you say but it like it's, that. again, this. I mean, from the first three episodes, I was like, absolutely, especially the first two, which are directed by Watts, just blown away very excited to see where the because also i feel like they played a lot of cards early yeah that's why i'm curious of where it's going to go with the last four episodes by playing those cards so early yeah that's what i mean there that's there is a lot of smart aspects to it i will trust the and uh, excited to see where it's going but definitely if you haven't caught up on the old man um check it out and real quick before we move on the young um the guy who plays the young Jeff Bridges. Uh, just this year, they wrapped up Ray Donovan. Um, he played the young John Boyd on that show for a couple seasons, too. Can you imagine him as a young John Boyd? He looked exactly the same like he does in this show. Um, and I think we know what John Boyd sounds like and acts like. He, it just doesn't, he doesn't seem like John Boyd. But he did a good job. He's a good actor. Um, Dan Peck is his name, but uh, so basically, he's just going to go around his career playing younger <laughs> versions of famous actors that we saw in the seventies. Yes, yes. He's going to play what, a young Dustin Hoffman next. Dustin Hoffman, he's like seven inches taller than Dustin Hoffman. Yes, I like it. I like it. But uh, yes, that was a good. That's a good show. What are we? What are we moving on to now? Uh, let's talk about another Hulu project. This time, it's a movie. Uh, and I think that's like cha-cha real smooth. I think this was also another Sundance. I could be mistaken. That's not the point. It's a very solid movie. It's called Fire Island. Really good. Um, good movie. Fire Island, I think, you know, the elevator pitch is that it's a gay version of, gay modern version of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Um, I've never seen or read Pride and Prejudice, um, but from all accounts, it takes the beats of that and just modernize it. Um, it stars this stand-up comedian who wrote it, uh, Joel Kim Booster, as well as um, his friend Bowen Yang, who's on SNL. Um, and it's basically their story of them spending a week on, um, apparently there's a, an island in New York and there's a section of it uh, that's kind of like a, a gay oasis where um, Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang and their friends spend the week. Um, and uh, it's a it's a really solid movie. It's maybe not as funny as I would have liked, but it's very charming. And also, like we need movies with different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and movies with like there's a lot of straight movies that are just kind of solid that have gotten a chance to succeed and or flop. Let's let someone like Joe Kim Booster um, make a movie on his own terms. I wish I had the recording of me explaining my wife that I, you know, I watched this movie and I enjoyed it um, because it really was really good. And it really was, like you said, a fresh perspective. I'll watch any movie. Just give me a different perspective 
and this was that. It was fresh. Um, all the characters in the show, in the movie, I thought did a really good job. Um, like all movies that are like this, romantic movies, comedy movies, it was cool at the end when um, what what what's his, what's his name from SNL when they able to Bowen Yang. That? Yeah, when he's uh, you know he's able to get the the love that he was Yang uh, going for the whole movie. Um, but I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, one of my favorite movies um, from HBO was a movie called The Normal Heart. It had Mark Ruffalo in it. Um, they talked a little bit about Fire Island in that movie. So that's kind of where I heard of Fire Island. So as soon as the title came out, I was I knew a little bit what it was about. But definitely like every other show or movie we're talking about today, it's definitely a good perspective and definitely worth checking out. So Joe Kabooster's character... Um, Noah, his de facto love interest, will they, won't they, is this guy played, um, Will, played by this guy named Conrad Ricamora. And I, I'm not familiar with his work, but I thought he did an excellent job. Um, he's kind of a little bit aloof. You kind of don't really understand where he's coming from. Yes. You get to know his character a little bit uh, more and more as the movie goes on. Um, and I thought he did... An he was actually job. probably my favorite in the whole movie because you didn't know really where he was coming from the whole entire film. But you also knew that he, you know, because the one guy shows up and he's like, uh, he immediately is like, don't, you know, and you can tell those guys know something from California from the past. Um, yeah, there's this third guy who shows up and it's like a, the A-plot is kind of this love triangle between the stroke and booster and Conrad Ricamora and this other guy. Um think is is it dax right yes the character's name yeah Yeah. played by this guy named zane phillips so there's a little bit of love triangle going on there's a little bit of who's really telling the truth which is you know there's a lot of you know cliche rom-com tropes in it there's a lot of stuff that doesn't the beats don't necessarily reinvent the wheel but the wheel is entertaining because it's told from this gay perspective which and like their lifestyle and and how they vacation um, on this island that I thought was really interesting. Um, I think it's really important that more people see stuff like that. And uh, I thought the whole movie was just extremely charming. Um, I would have liked it to have been a little bit funnier, but um, definitely enjoyed it and definitely would recommend it. You know, I don't know if you ever watched it either. I mean, I didn't watch it fully. I watched episodes here and there, but there was the show that was on HBO called Looking. Um, the guy who played the um, the fiance in Cha Cha Real Smooth, he was on that show. And it's another show that kind of, you know, it has what's his name from um, that serial killer show on Netflix. That's really Mind Hunter. Oh, Jonathan Goff or whatever. He was he was really good on that show. But it's again, it's really good representation to what uh, to something different and giving you a different perspective. But you're right. I honestly believe that that's probably why it wasn't a theatrical release. I could be wrong was that there just wasn't enough laughs mixed with not a big name star makes it a little bit easier to see it on Hulu like us, because let's be honest, if it was at the theater, we would have had it. We probably wouldn't have went and seen it even if there was no COVID and we would have waited until it came out to watch it. So it's nice now to be able to see it right away. Did you end up seeing the Andy Samberg movie Palm Springs? 
Yes, I did. So that was a, I, don't, I can't remember if that was 2020 or 2021, but very much a movie that got released in uh, COVID. And the original plan was to release in theaters. And then so it might've been 2020 then, because then theater shut down. Um, and Hulu ended up another, you know, movie bought by Hulu. And there's, it's, I feel like that's just like a good pairing of Palm Springs and um, Fire Island. You know, like if you're spending like uh, a board Saturday with your partner yeah. and just like yeah. want to watch a good double feature, I feel like those movies pair, they have like yeah. very similar sensibility and vibes. And I think Palm Springs ended up becoming a thing in part because it's a good, charming, funny movie. But also like, I think that's also just the type of movie that is more and better suited to watching at home. Because comedies, like, in and of itself are in a pretty bad place, like, theatrically. Yeah. And then, like, even smaller indie comedies, you're like, I can't imagine a movie like Fire Island being in theaters in 2022. Yeah. And if it was, like, making any money. But I think to get released on Hulu and for people to catch up with it on their own time, and I, I, this movie's gotten very good word of mouth, I think is perfect for that. I definitely agree with all of that, what you said. It's definitely worth checking out, too. I mean, especially considering if you have Hulu, it's free. Definitely worth watching. Definitely. All right, so do you want to talk about now our favorite? Was there, was there any other movies that came? I think those were the... But those were it. Um, now what we can do is kind of talk about, well, number one, we could say, what did you enjoy more this year? Did you enjoy TV so far more this year? Did you enjoy film so far this year? Yeah, so this is a definitely a you question that you posed. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit unfair for movies just because... They um, stink? They stink compared to... <laughs> I mean, they, um, well, they haven't been that I great. Made a but... list. I made a list of all the bad ones that I, I just came up with. And off the good ones, I couldn't think of too many. I haven't seen Top Gun yeah but. yeah so we haven't seen top gun maverick and there's this really there's a multiverse movie that's like a little bit indie called everything everywhere all at yes. once yes. that like i really want to see that yes. just isn't streaming yes. or available to rent yet so not only is that a knock in movies favor but also that's true. um there's a lot of tv shows that got released so far in 2022 then part got released because of the emmy eligibility window I'm a, I'm a huge fall movie guy too. So a lot yeah, of so that, that's the point I was getting at is that there's going to be a lot of movies that want to be eligible for Oscars that are going to come out later in the year. Like there's going to be a run between September and December. Um, you know, I mean, move, great movies like The Bubble and Deep Water. I mean, they don't come come around very often. But um, I'm just going to skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not the greatest. But also, I. Honestly, because like I mentioned this before, I, I think some of it has to do with a, a COVID bottleneck that they're all getting released. That's true. 2022 has been an incredible fucking year for television shows. Oh, like it even has. so, cool, even yeah. if like I think when it's all said and done, it's still going to be TV because Euphoria had an excellent season. Righteous Gemstones had an excellent season. Peacemaker came out this year. All those are January releases. Yeah. Um. Better Call Saul had an excellent season. Um, yeah. Stranger Things had an excellent season. Um, 
Pam and Tommy was good. Barry was good. Barry, yeah. Barry, that's Pam and Tommy was solid. But, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, but it, you know, I mean, people but, talk about what's her name's performance. So, uh, yeah. I I mean, love, oh, man, I, I can't remember. Lily, I did this last time. It was Lily James or Lily Allen. I, I think I it's Lily, Lily Collins too. I throw Lily Collins in there too, and I get them all. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> and, her, and her performance is so fucking good too. Yeah, she's good. Where I, I feel bad, Lily James. Yes, 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 yes. she's really good. Um, Barry is amazing. But yeah, Barry had an excellent season. Like, not only are like shows like Barry and Better Call Saul and Euphoria like just some incredible TV shows in their own right, but to have excellent seasons too. Yeah, is like because Euphoria is great. I love Euphoria so much. I, yeah, people don't understand Euphoria. I feel like. Well, I like it because I like. Uh, it's it's pretty much like I love. It's very much like you're getting it all. Like you, that's re- to me that's more real than a lot of shows. But I know people are gonna say no. Oh, it's of- definitely. Oh, I I like it because it's not real. See, well, I mean, like, what I mean by it's, it's real is that a lot of stuff is going on in these schools that you couldn't even imagine. It's probably way worse than what's going on on that show. The way the show films it is so dreamlike that makes it seem like it's not real, which is why I enjoy it. You think so? I, I don't I, – I refuse to believe high schools are that bad, but well, – Wow. Um, you got to spend some time in them. You know, they're just, it's different. Middle schools are equally. Yeah, but yes. we'll get to that. A whole Myself as a 35-year-old man is going to spend some time <laughs> in a high school just chilling out. I know, I know. I work I work as a teacher, so I see a lot of this stuff. But that you, being... You think it's... My, my wife used to be a teacher at a Catholic school. Yeah. It definitely didn't seem like this. Well, I mean, there's definitely shit that goes I'll be honest there. with you. I'll be honest with you. A lot of stuff has been because of the COVID and the time off and coming back. Um, not quite like euphoria is actually like the rich version of what you see, like the way it is, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot, you do it a lot cheaper, I guess that show makes it seem like you wish you'd go back to high school and be hanging out with someone. Maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's very much a heightened reality. Yeah, but, um, it is. It is. It is that's, I, I also think people care too much about the plot of euphoria and I don't think Sam Levinson, its creator cares um so much i think he cares to an extent but that show is very big surprises in that show like it's not just a show like it's the direct opposite to me of like uh you know there's surprises in it i like the way the characters go um but you're right i don't think he's looking to do that it just come kind of happens that way i think sam levinson cares more about mood and vibe than he does about plot and story well, yeah, but um, like what he says, that, and but you're right, I absolutely agree. But like when he, when you find out about Nate's dad or more about Jules, it's adding to that what you're saying. Um, I mean, Nate's not, dad's character, I mean, that character is the worst and the best. He's the most ridiculous character on TV, but yes, the worst person probably on television. Just, I remember him just coming, just him and the announcement of him on Grey's Anatomy. Um, so to see him come from that mixed steamy or whatever to, to this, you know, it's, it's really ridiculous. That, he didn't uh, uh, piss on someone in someone's foyer and Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> no, no, he did not. And he, he's, um, he, you know, so, and honestly, when that show, when I saw that show was on, he was the only one where I'm like, Eric Dane, what? Oh, I guess I'll watch this. And from minute go, I was actually, 
I'm not ashamed to admit it that I was actually more hooked on that the first time than I was on Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. So like uh, that show right off the bat, Euphoria, it got me. Um, Game of Thrones took I watched that first episode a couple times before I'm like, okay, it's not, it's Game of Thrones does not have a very good first episode. No, but but, but I once think, it gets rolling, then you're like, uh, but that's I think the moment they actually kill um, Stark, uh, yeah. Ned Stark. You think I that's mean, where it really starts to? Yes, because that's like, oh shit, anything goes. Well, and back think, then when that came out, that was during the time period where, like, I don't think I had HBO and I had to go rent it from the library. So, like, you know, now I have all these streaming services. So now when a show's released, like Euphoria, you get to watch it right then. Because even like we were talking about real quick last night, The Sopranos. I didn't watch a lot of that live, so I can imagine it's different for a lot of people. These shows, where it's like, that's why I like Euphoria, is it's it's fresh. Euphoria is definitely a fresh show. Yeah, I was coming up with the list, and I don't know what I fucking did with it now, but like, I couldn't come up with more than like five movies that uh, like I really like enjoyed and recommended. But I can easily come up with like a top ten and. I, I honestly don't know like what's my favorite TV show of the year. It's probably something between like The Boys and Barry and Better Call Saul. But um, I, I try to what I try to do here is I try I, I knew you were going to go The Boys. So I said The Peacemaker, but you already talked about The Peacemaker. That was amazing. They're both kind of similarly very awesome in what they're presenting. Um, Barry, um, like you said, I really liked, for what it was, the staircase was really good. Colin Firth did a really good job. Um, I actually liked that a whole lot more than um, the one with uh, Andrew Garfield, Under the Banner of Heaven. You know what's Uh, weird about Under the Banner of Heaven? Is that uh, that's a show where I had to convince my wife to watch it. And then that's a show I gave up on pretty early. And she was the one that ended up watching it all the way through. She's like, Mormons just fascinate me. And she, she just calls it the Mormon murder mystery show. Our uh, wife are going to get along great. Because that's exactly what she, my wife did. And she reads these Mormon murder mystery novels. And yes, that's exactly the truth. Um, it didn't really get... And I like you know I like shows like that. It just something about it didn't grab me. I don't know if it wasn't... It, I don't know. Uh, yeah, when we when we talked about it, like when it first came out, I knew this wasn't going to be a show that like I cared for because... It's like, um, it just feels like a knockoff True Detective to me. Well, yeah, it's it this does. vibey, this is, we're trying we're to go a little bit deeper, dead girl show. Coming back. Oh, um, is it? Yeah, with Jodie Foster, I guess, is what they said. I, I don't really care about, I never cared about True Detective season one, so I definitely don't care about any of the other you were ones. You weren't a fan of any of those seasons at all? Nah, and the first season had some, like, obviously great acting, and I this used time. was really cheesy in it. <laughs> I, um, I mean, it. Taylor Kitsch has rarely been good. So I know. Um, I know. Um, but you know, I think a couple shows that I know you don't watch that I really, really enjoy. I like Mayans MC. That show's really, really, really good. Um, did you ever watch Sons of Anarchy or no? No, I never got into it. And then um another uh, nobody ever talks about these shows, but I'm gonna really quick, um I I got stars. Um, there's a lot of really good underground shows on Stars, 
that are worth really people's time. I've watched and followed all of the power stuff. Um, that's really solid. Um, I really like this new one that just came out this year, po- Power Book 4. Four. Joseph Sakura stars on it. He's in Ozark. Do you remember him on Ozark? I never watched Ozark because it just seemed like a knockoff Breaking Bad, and it just would have said, "Hey, that's that's hey, that's a, that's okay." But uh, really good watch. But I like trying to watch. Like that's why I watched The Man Who Fell to Earth. It's not something that I would generally. I would watch it, but it's not something I would put at the top of my oh, list. You know what? We should talk about since we're talking about TV, even though it's a bad TV show. What? Uh, I think we, it was part of the list that we're going to talk about yesterday is uh, Kenobi. Yes, I have that. I was actually going down. Because I think it's – so there's so many great shows, and I'm sorry to interrupt your stars no, discussion, no, but, like, there's so many great television shows. And especially right now, like, if you need something to watch, we will give you a recommendation to watch. Yeah. And Marvel and Disney and um, Star Wars have kind of taken over the culture and I mean, but like in terms of television shows, I think they're 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 bad. I thought Book of Boba Fett, which came out this year, was not good, and I thought Kenobi was really bad. And I tried to get into Miss Marvel, um, like I couldn't even get into that. And it's like, um, these shows, these MCU and and Star Wars shows are just frustrating me, and especially because. We need, I feel like so much of the monoculture just needs to, or so much of the general culture needs to stop talking about them because they're not good. Talk about something better. There's so much better. Elevate better shows. Talk about the bear. Like, That's what, I, you know, I've said this for a long time. It's like uh, Dr. Strange Love or Give Up or Stop Love, Start Loving the Bomb. Um, I pretty much, uh, I see what you're saying a lot. Um, Obi Wan was, 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 was okay Bubba Fett I enjoyed pieces of Bubba Fett um I like Star Wars but I've never been like somebody who walks around with and I have like a Star Wars cabinet um I do you know like watching the movies but I never go out of my way to put them on um the shows are they're just trying to get people to come to join the group is what it seems like a lot of the time their it's, greatest hits, their greatest hits albums. Yeah, it's so like I because there's so much content created around these shows from like creators that I like. I end up watching and listening to it, and it that's what like partially is part of my frustration is that if these are just like random shows, they'll be fine, let people enjoy them. But like when I hear these people talk, it sounds like the best part about them is that they are just star wars content and these people are going to like star wars content no matter what because they want star wars in their lives and that's fine but star wars and marvel aren't making shows for like random niche people these shows are meant for everyone that the original star wars trilogy everybody has like it, it was you know pejoratively is seen as nerd shit that it's that is the culture now that is just what that's, movies are and like when they create like these movies and tv like the mandalorian the first season i absolutely love and i really enjoyed the second season as well and what i realized with star wars in particular is i don't give a shit about any other world i don't care about the fucking skywalkers anymore <laughs> i don't care about necessarily characters i've seen 
the reason the Mandalorian, especially that first season, was so great, because it took the vibe of Star Wars but told its own story. And that's what I want. I, that I know. you know, Star Wars is took elements of science fiction and took elements of especially a lot of westerns. Yeah. And that the Mandalorian did that so well. It basically was that first season. A lot of it was just like, here's a, a case of the week. Like, here's a new adventure I have to go to. And it was freaking awesome. They were on new planets. Yeah. They, you know, there was stuff that was tangentially related. To like the empire and like little Easter eggs I, for, I for the hardcore I, fans, but I, I hate now that like there was no fucking point to make Kenobi outside of the fact that people like that character. Did you watch uh, the book of Boba Fett? Yes. Okay, I'm not familiar a lot with a lot of this this world, but all I do know is that as soon as this Cad Bane character showed up on the screen, I'm like, this guy's awesome. He's cool. He's blue. He's gonna be awesome. The guy was in the show, what, five minutes, six minutes, four minutes? Like, I don't like that either. And they do this a lot in the shows. They they hype you up for stuff, and then you only get to see it for three or four minutes. I don't so, know if that's... Apparently, that character was a character in one of the animated shows. I know, like he was I long... know no, 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 no. But like, what I'm saying is that this is Hawkeye did it too, and they're both under the umbrella of Disney, where Hawkeye introduced Kingpin, a yeah. beloved character from another TV show, and they introduce him for two seconds. Yeah. And it's like, fuck you, Disney. <laughs> I hate I hate that shit so much just because it's like that character was awesome. I would like to see like a show surrounding yeah. that character, yeah. but that character was meant as an Easter egg for the hardcore people who yeah. saw yes. the, the animated show. Yeah. By the way, the the so many more people, I guarantee you, so many more people watched the book of Boba Fett than the animated show. The animated show no, right. was not a, really a thing no, until right. these these live action shows. Yeah, and it's right. like, at least, you know, I get it. Like you're trying to interweave these worlds and that's fine. But you're right. That character was dope. That character was straight out of a fucking Sergio Leone movie, I, I mean, which is why it was freaking awesome. That character was I, dope. I was disappointed. It was so, so little. And that's but, why, you know, but... You know, yeah, he was happened. introduced as an Easter egg to the people who watched the show, but you know what? There's people like you and me who didn't watch those animated shows, who didn't know there was, like, I I don't, like, I think the only reason I knew that character's name was because of the internet, not necessarily because of that show, but that dude looked dope. I would totally watch a show where he was, like, the bad guy in it, but um, these live-action shows don't care about it, and I hate it so much. Well, that's, that's the, you know, that's, that's what they want. They want you, they want, Disney wants your money to buy their service is kind of sometimes what I get the impression of. They're not. And it's so fucking cynical. Like take, take take the extra two seconds to create a good story with Kenobi. Any band that I like, or I'm hoping you're the same way that you like, not every song is released is going to be awesome. They're going to be bad ones. But I have people telling me that everything that's being released is awesome. No, it's not. You, nobody takes anymore what's good and bad anymore. It's just wow, it's Star Wars. It's good. 
that's it's Star Wars. It's good. Yeah, and if you like Star Wars for Star Wars, that's fine. But that's this isn't this isn't a niche fucking thing, right? That's that's, that's that's the thing. It's like this is a show for everyone. It's supposed to be for everyone. So if you want yeah. to have like Easter eggs for the hardcore fans, and I get it, a show for someone like me, a show for someone like the hardcore fans, and a show for someone like my wife who will basically just watch everything. <laughs> it's it's hard to do, but you know what? The Mandalorian did it just fine like my wife after like you know she doesn't really think too much about i love my wife but she's not the most she she like isn't the most critical about this stuff even though she was an english major and taught (laughs) english like her whole like there was a whole part of her life where she was supposed to analyze works of art deeper and she never does it and sometimes it bugs the heck out of me but you know what it's fine it's let her i let her live her life and i just make fun of her a little bit about it but even she like turned to me after Kenobi was over and she's like, I don't get what the point of that was. And I was like, thank you. There is, there it's, it's getting people to go out and buy more goods. It's space balls is what it is. And what's even frustrating about Kenobi is I feel like it ruined the, the canon of the, the movies. Like you're it, telling, like there's a, a, like Leia didn't know who fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi was at the beginning of a new hope, but all of a sudden she went on this like month long adventure with them. Like they're just trying to, <laughs> it, it's, it's space balls. They want you to buy the stuff. They want you to keep going. And sometimes they will be good. Some, I mean, a couple of the Marvel shows are okay. A couple of them aren't so good. Um, they're going to have hits. They're going to have misses, but what's going to end up probably happening is they're going to burn out. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, if if this, if Deborah Chow, who was essentially the showrunner of the show, she had directed a handful of episodes of The Mandalorian, if her and her team actually had something to say about Kenobi, that would be one thing. They obviously didn't. And that was, that's what was so frustrating. And again, part of my frustration isn't necessarily in the show, it's the secondary culture around the show the youtube videos and the podcast that waste their time on this shit that <laughs> i just like stupidly consume i was like you guys realize severance came out this year why don't you do a here's the 73 easter eggs of severance We're like, going, i'm gonna have to dig somebody up for this we're gonna have to find somebody to answer our questions that's a good that's a good question you're right i've always said that for a long time though um why are we <laughs> Very, very, very good story really quick is, I'll never forget, it was Christmas Eve, somewhere around there. It was a birthday party, something. My cousin comes up to me. He likes movies, Star Wars. He's into the big action movies. I tell him, I go, you ever see The Departed? He goes, no, what's that? I go, I don't know, only the movie that's going to win Best Picture this year. What's that movie ain't going to win no Best Picture? I never even heard of it. Well, you know, I, I to this day, I, I don't take his opinions on movies at all. Um but that's what I'm saying. It's a different culture. It's a different movie. Star Wars is definitely different than cha- uh, cha-cha real smooth. You know, it's yeah, different. By the way, it's okay to be big and bright and dumb. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely oh, not advocating it. against that. I Road mean, t- yeah. I again, to, to the the point you made on the last podcast about Roadhouse, like yeah. it's okay to to have this make a really dumb, fun, awesome movie about the quote-unquote best bouncer ever. But do you think it's time to, like, back then, you can get away with it. Now, I mean, come on now. They're not pulling that. This isn't trying to pull Roadhouse. They're trying to sell you that this is good, and you need to buy the goods. And people are buying them. I mean, you know, 
I was looking yesterday, the Roadhouse didn't do so hot at the movie theaters. These are doing really well. And people, there's people I've asked on the show. And I said, hey, if you want to come on the show? And they go, I don't know. All I really do is watch those Star Wars shows. So, like, that's sometimes people, that's, that's, that's all they watch. What can you do? And you know what? If you, if you like it, more power to you. But, like I said... These shows aren't meant for just those people. The show is meant for these shows and these movies are meant for everyone. So even like I would take for as much as I shit on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, hundred percent would take a movie like that because at least had some originality and fun to it than like these Star Wars. I, as you can tell, really hate these Star Wars shows. Oh. And I, again, I just I hate that this is the modern culture and like we deserve something like Game of Thrones was a show that everybody watched. And you know what the best part of Game of Thrones was? It wasn't the, the fight scenes, at least not to me. It was the, the, the moments that people were talking in rooms. Yeah. It was that last yeah. season. It wasn't the fight scene against no. the, the White Walkers that got me. It was that moment where Brianna Tarth gets knighted and she tears up that I fucking loved. It was the care like Tyrion is just an all time great TV character, and his best trait was his tongue, both <laughs> little, both sexually and like the way yeah, he talked yeah. to people. And you know what? They at least had interesting stories to tell about power and how to maintain power yeah. that also happened to have these gigantic, big budget blockbuster esque fight scenes. And you know, they worked, you know, I, I, I think maybe they leaned a little bit too heavily on it. But yeah, it's just I'm with you. I'm with if, you. If, if these star if the, if these Star Wars shows like Mandalorian season three is coming out soon, I'm very excited about that. I kind of trust where John Favreau and Dave Filoni, the creators, are going to go with it. But like, I get frustrated when these shows now seem to be coming out just for the sake of coming out. Yeah, that's like kind of people, the vibe so I I'm so, like on my timeline. So many people were stoked about Kenobi, partially because Obi-Wan Kenobi means so much to so many people. And granted, I'm, I admittedly, I'm not necessarily one of those people, but those people also deserve fucking better. And if you like the Kenobi show, fine, you know, ignore me. I've been going on a rant, like, but like I said. Yeah, no, you're absolutely. Be, I, I, I be don't better. Have, I've never, I don't have a horse in the race in this or Marvel, so I could go either way. Um I'm in a good mood tonight, so I won't. Um, I actually have more issues with Marvel than I do Star Wars. Star Wars, to me, is just starting to get back up again. Um, in 10, 5, 10 years, I think it's going to be worse than anything ever. But it's it could. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I've been wrong about a lot of stuff. So I, you know, I don't know. It's it's tough because so like I re- like we really both love Shang Chi. That's yeah. a 2021 movie, and I really liked the. Um, the, the last Spider-Man with the, all the Spider-Mans oh, in it. Um, and by the way, that's a movie where I don't necessarily, like, that's a movie that exists for those Easter eggs. Like I said, like, I think there's a lot of that movie where it's like, oh my God, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, I've seen those guys. <laughs> and, but it, it worked. Yeah. It's like, but it's, it's this, um, this ready player one aspect that's now becoming the culture where it's like, hey, look at this guy. Hey, look at this character. Hey, you remember this guy? that for more often than not doesn't work and just feels like this is all capitalism, but shit just, it feels so cynical in a way that 
like even like a man the something like the Mandalorian doesn't. And by the way, something like I'm not an idiot. I know the Mandalorian is meant to sell Disney Plus subscriptions as well. But at least it seems like it is it's interesting and it's telling interesting stories that are fun. Well, first exciting. of all, you know, a book of Boba Fett seemed to take they had to borrow the Mandalorian for a while. Yeah, it, it really felt like halfway through they're like shit, the story sucks. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Let's bring in and people but, said that. People said that online. They go. Ooh, it kind of feels like, you know, they had to bring them in, you know, bring in the big guns to save this. I mean, it ended good. There was, you know, to this day, every time my, you know, my wife isn't feeling good, she says, get the backer act tank. Um, But, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it just didn't, it doesn't hold up like Mandalorian does at all, in my opinion. I think I want to, I think we should end it on another you know, intellectual property that people like. And it's um, one of my favorite movies of the year. And it's a movie I got you to actually enjoy. That's the Batman. Yeah. So I'm talking, you know, switching gears to some of the best movies of 2022 so far. Um, I think my favorite, and some of this is recency bias, is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Um, but uh, before that... The 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 movie on the top of my list, and you know we'll see how I feel in a couple of months, has been the Batman, and that's a movie where again it's very cynically a cash grab for DC and Warner Brothers, right? It's very much like he, here's intellectual property, but it was from this um, a different perspective. You know, it was um, oh man, who fucking directed that movie? I should know. Uh, this shit. Re- uh, Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. Like, I enjoyed Matt Reeves' take on it, and even though I love Christopher Nolan's take on it too, Matt Reeves had his own take, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, I mean, obviously that movie was really good. Um, more I think about it, actually, it it definitely was was something that is is. I mean, I'm looking here at everything that has come out or I've seen. I mean, you're definitely not going to pick ambulance um the outfit was really good is that considered this year i think so yeah the outfit was um a movie another movie we talked about chip and dale rescue rangers yeah that was where good. that that has the rest the ready player one aspect to it but in a smart and funny and good way yeah um a lot of people enjoyed i didn't see it yet but the newest scream movie wasn't i guess terrible um i want to give a shout out to um the Lost City, I, yeah. I, I feel like it should be streaming by now, and I don't know where it is, but um, it's this rom-com starring uh, Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, and I should give Sandra Bullock more credit, it's mainly her movie, and it's got Daniel Radcliffe as the bad guy, and Brad Pitt has a fun role in it, and, um, you know, don't let the rom-comness uh, of the movie scare you away, it's a really charming and, and fun movie. And again, I don't. I feel like it should be streaming by now, so maybe a little bit harder to see. But highly recommend that movie. I mean, I, I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to, but I. I know you don't like horror movies, but that new one is supposedly really. It's got a hundred percent the black. Uh, black phone. Black phone. Um, I want to see that one still, and I want to see the unbearable weight of Nicolas Cage or whatever. Yeah, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, I, I still want to see that yeah. one. Um, um, yeah, so that's that is partially why, like I think movies have a little bit better app. Is there some good ones that we just haven't seen yet? Yeah, and there's still some um, more, a whole lot that I'm looking forward to coming out, like Jordan Peele's new movie. Nope, I know you know you didn't see his last one, but nope, looks pretty cool. I mean, there's still Thor. People might want to see Thor. Christian Bale, your favorite. 
Dude, I'm like the only reason I'm excited for Thor is solely because of Christian Bale. Right. Like, I hope he's a fucking awesome bad guy. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, one last movie that we talked about, and it's got our boy Jesse Plemons that came out this year is a Windfall. Yes, I actually and, uh, was on the list here that I was looking at. Good. Apparently, I'm in Windfall because I am Jason Siegel. Dude, dude, we could sell this because my. But you should have heard my buddies like, "Are you really? Is that him?" I'm like, "No, it's not him. It's my friend Adam. No, it's not." But uh, we should maybe roll with this sometimes. Like, we got a guest, and then he sues us. No, I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. But Windfall is really good. Um, you got me to watch that one. Um, Jesse Plemons, our boy. I'll watch him in anything. He's good in that. That's uh, streaming on Netflix. I should say, like, where this Chippendale is streaming on Disney Plus, the Batman streaming on HBO Max. Yep. Cha Cha Real Smooth, I says, is on Apple TV Plus. Um, what other movies did we read? I know you haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure when you see uh, Bob's Burgers, you might like that one. I mean, that is the best movie, but. Man, I'm. Yeah. My in laws like saw Father Stew. They said that was good. I haven't seen that yet, though. <laughs> what's, what's Father Stew? That's that one with Mark Wahlberg where he goes and he's like a convict and then he goes and he becomes something and starts helping kids out. Oh, does he start saving the world? Pretty much. Is he Snake Plissken? Pretty much. Um, The Northman. Did you ever get around watching The Northman? Oh, man, that movie is streaming and I don't know why I haven't seen that yet. Well, you know, I'll be curious next time to hear your take on that. I'm also going to be curious that the next time we're going to have to talk about some San Francisco movie locales. There's quite a lot of those. Um, we'll have to do that at some point. That would be fun. Um, really quick here before we go. Um, so I'm looking at some movies that you possibly can watch for the next show. Okay. Have you ever seen like Danny Boyle 28 Days Later? Love 28 Days Later. Okay, perfect. Killian so we, Murphy. Perfect. I'll fo- We could focus on that one. You ever see The Faculty? No, that's um... Robert Rodriguez. It's on HBO Max. All right, I'll let me write it down. It's got you Usher in see, it. You ever see Poltergeist? No, I've never seen. Man, why are you making me watch these scary movies? Because this is what this is what Keelan likes. She likes a lot of scary movies. What do I tell her? No, we don't like scary movies. Yeah, it's like no, Adam's a baby. I'm That's picking all... like Clockwork Orange. You ever see Clockwork Orange? I fucking Clockwork Orange isn't scary. Clockwork Orange is a great fucking. Movie. Well, that's what I'm thinking. If you can think of if any freaky movies or anything off the top of my head that you can think of, just 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 send them to me. And I'm just trying to piece together things that we've seen versus what she's seen, and we'll make it all work. She's super excited. Everyone's excited. Great times. All right, I'm on HBO Max. Can I? Is this a movie I can kind of watch The Faculty on the Plane? Yes. People are going to be yes. Up? No. Faculty is like American Pie with some, some funny horror mixed in. It's it's good. Josh Hartnett stars in it. Come on. You, All you right, can watch The Faculty. Watch The Faculty. Downloading, the faculty. downloading The Faculty right now. Okay. And there's one more. Okay. And I know when's your wife coming back in town? Uh, tomorrow. Okay. I know you're not going to be able to watch this before. But if you can watch this movie. For me, for this show, I'll take you out to pizza wherever you like. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's on HBO. Try to check it out. I'm 100% not fucking watching that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny. It's not scary in any way, shape, or form. It's got. It's ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's funny. Just try it. If you hate it after 10 minutes, you can shut it off, and I'll still buy you pizza. Right. We, we got to get fucking burgers sometime, too. We will. We're definitely going to get it when you come back. Okay? 
All right, I, Poltergeist and the faculty are uh, available on HBO Max. And so is Killer Clowns. <sighs> <laughs> if you don't watch them, but those are three. I, it's awesome that you've seen 28 Days Later because that would be a good one to go in depth on. Clockwork Orange, we haven't really talked about a lot. So awesome. I already hate this poster. This is a weird fucking poster. I know. It's ridiculous, though. Honestly, you will laugh and you will have a good time. I promise you. I you know what? Okay. Real scary. You know what you need to do then? You need to tell watch me. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes. Yes, I will. I will, and I'll tell her to watch that too. Tucker versus Dale. I will. I will watch. No, that. it's Tuck- not Tucker and Dale. It's not Tucker versus Dale. They're together. They're a team up. Tucker and Dale. All I need is Tucker. I know what you're talking about, and I've been meaning to watch this for a long time. So I'm glad you reminded me. But it was been great. So right. I'll, you went I'll- from Poltergeist, which is like I know a horror classic. And the faculty, which is definitely seems like my type of movie. Yes, you'd like it. Um, and then you do this killer clown shit. That's it. <laughs> clown spelled with a K. Yes, you will. Everyone loves this movie. If you right now tonight post something like, man, killer clowns is awesome. You'll have nine people telling you with a heart. I promise you. I well, know. I've <laughs> got over a thousand followers, so that's not hard for me. Well, I know. That. <laughs> you might actually get 300 then out of all these. I'm just kidding, but. Thank you for joining me tonight. All right. I'm downloading. You know, I was actually looking at Netflix for like movies to download for the plane. And there was, I'm like, I downloaded like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which I've I seen a bunch of times. I took 15 minutes of my time to go through all the streaming apps to try to find something that aren't really scary, but I think that you will enjoy. So that's why I picked these ones. Craig T. Nelson's great in Poltergeist. He's definitely, definitely. I mean, Spielberg, you know, he pretty much directed the movie. Poor Toby Hooper, man. I know he really got treated like a piece of garbage, supposedly on the set. Like he's just like standing there, and like Spielberg shows up and's like, "Give me the camera. I'm gonna show you how to do it." Um, but uh, check those out, and we'll talk soon. I'm telling you, man. There's gonna be fucking people looking over my shoulder to think I'm a fucking weirdo watching this killer clown shit. That's what you think. You're gonna be off the plane. You're gonna be like, "Dude, I got us a whole bunch of followers. They saw me looking at killer clowns and the faculty." No one's going to be looking at you. You'll be good. You'll be good. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Anyway, that was our mid-year extravaganza episode. Um, mainly talking a lot about newish TV shows and movies. Hopefully, we gave you a lot of good recommendations to check out. Hopefully, you watch them. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, at Millennial Socks or at Chelsea01. Like, yo, I just watched Shit House. Great recommendation. <laughs> Yes. I'd be like, dope, you're my new best friend. Yes. Anyway, we, uh, like I said, you can find us on Twitter. I just gave out our handles. You can find this podcast at the hookup 18. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And now, after today, we are now on Amazon, too. Whoa, I didn't even know Amazon had podcasts. Neither so. did I. They sent me an email. It was like, I see you have podcasts. Would you like to join ours? And I'm like, sure. So now we're on Amazon. Dope. Um, I don't know if anyone has rated us or left us a review, but I think that helps. So I guess why not? Please do that. And... Um, Like I said, I don't know when this episode is going to get released, but uh, Tony, I will talk to you in two weeks. Can't wait, my man. Have a good trip. Have fun. Be safe. And I can't wait to hear the people watching you watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Be like this fucking, I almost got arrested watching this weird fucking movie on my phone. 
You're gonna, you're, you're gonna, we're gonna have a blast when you get back. Have fun. All right. All right, man. Take care. Right, take care. That was a great, great conversation about some of the best and the worst in television and film throughout the year. Right now, what I want to do is kind of uh, go over a few horror um, TV and movie real quick. Um, some good, some bad. Um, in the film department, a movie that was released this year called X, directed by Ty West. A really, 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 really interesting, good movie about a group of people going out in the middle of nowhere to film a dirty movie, hence the title X. Very, very good. Lots of actors are in this movie that do a really good job. Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Snow. Definitely, definitely worth the watch. Um, they get out there and they start filming this movie. And let me just say, there is a creepy, creepy, creepy older couple that that reside on the property that they're renting from. And, well, I think you can fill in the blanks from there. But it's definitely uh, original. It's definitely cool. And it definitely got some really, really good reviews. So that's why I was excited to watch it. Um, very good. So check that one out. That one is called X. Another one that came out this year. Um or at least I'm watching it finally this year. Maybe it came out, I think, a little bit at the end of last year. Um, Scream, the new Scream movie. Ooh, I don't know about this one. Uh, what is this, the fifth Scream movie? You know, I don't know. I mean, it was better than the last couple, but that doesn't really say much. You know, this one you might want to skip unless you're really, really, really diehard in the series. Um, of course, some of the returning cast of David Cox, uh, that's Courtney Cox, David Arquette, um, Nev Campbell are, 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 are returning, along with Melissa Barrera, Mason Gooding, Jack Quaid, and Jenna Ortega, who was also in X. So it was cool to see her in two movies. But again, you know, I think some of these movies, they just keep going and going and going. Um might want to skip that one. Um, the Candyman remake, that's one definitely you'd want to check out if you have not seen that one yet. Um, I definitely enjoyed the Candyman remake. Um, as far as television shows go this year, I wanted to make sure that we covered a couple of them. Not so much horror as psychological, but still kind of scary was Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Um, very, very, very good show. If you have not watched that, that is about a group of girls who go out. Ooh, they're playing crashes in the middle of nowhere and they have to survive. And there are a lot of secrets, a lot of deep, deep, deep things. Um, Melanie Linsky's in it. Really, really, really um, definitely worth checking out. Um, a lot of, lot of great, uh, what's the word I'm looking at, twists in that show. Um, a lot of great things that are coming that you usually do not see. Usually, um, it, it's definitely worth watching. And one of my favorite actresses, Juliette Lewis, she does a really, really, really good job in her role in that. Um, another really good horror show that came out this year, and this one was on Sci-Fi, um, was the new Chucky series. Uh, if you like Child's Play or you like Chucky, 
I would go back and watch that show because honestly, that was one of the better shows of the year, um, especially when it comes to horror. I definitely, I enjoyed um, the way the character kind of still still had that classic feel, along with along with a lot of other different things that the character has brought over the years. It was awesome to hear Brad Dorif, who voices Chucky, him back in that role, being able to sit there and still be able to to do such a role is definitely not something that you you know you think the show's called Chucky number one. Um, Jennifer Tilly also returns. Um, Brad Dorif's daughter, uh, Fiona Dorif, does a, um, a good job in that show. She was in the last couple movies. Um, Zachary Arthur plays Jake Wheeler. What's cool about this show that I really, really enjoyed was that it takes a lot of different things with the time, also a lot of classic things from the past, and really, really, really makes it work. Um, they've already agreed to do a second season for this and Yellow Jackets. So definitely, definitely worth checking out. Um, now what we are going to do is we're going to step into a little bit in the realm of James Bond. And I am joined with uh, our, our second Adam, who has come on our show before. Really, really awesome. So I hope you enjoy that. Thank you so much for listening thus far. I am swell. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you having me back again. Oh, it's always a pleasure always a pleasure my friend i'm excited today we're going to talk a little james bond oh yes little james bond yes 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 so the second movie that i have decided well not decided in the james bond series that i have watched is from russia with love um you stated this was your favorite of the james the sean connery series oh the connery ones yes it is easily yeah i mean i i mean like I said, I've watched these before, but that's why waiting 10, 12 years to rewatch them again, I definitely feel a lot uh, a lot different, even, even more than I did the first time I've seen them. Um, but yeah, From Russia was, With Love was very awesome. What, yeah. what do you think about From Russia With Love? Well, there, there's a few things about From Russia With Love that make it very unique in the Bond, basically uh, in the whole... Uh, lexicon of the bond world but you saw dr no not long ago you, you you've been rewatching them from start i think from you're going from number one all the way through if i'm not mistaken correct yeah. yes okay so you did watch dr no not long ago yes you do have a good frame of reference with that yes. and to understand why i like from rush with love a lot you kind of have to understand what dr no brought to the table and what this added to it um Dr. No was very successful, uh, especially in Europe. And by the time it came over to North America and was doing its release, um, they already knew they wanted to make another one. So they were already filming from Russia with Love by the time Dr. No was in its run in the United States here. That's pretty cool. So at that time, you know, nowadays you have a Bond movie every couple years. Now, this most recent one was quite a few years after Spectre because of the coronavirus and all that stuff that happened with it. But since the Bond movies really have been out, they either come out every year or every two years. At the beginning, when Sean Connery was filming them, I think all the way up through, I want to say Thunderball, they were coming out every year. 
So Dr. No was released in 1962 and, and From Russia With Love was released in 1963. So, I mean, it's like once you absorb one, you're getting one the next year. Yeah. So this one, they decided to go with this one because obviously it's another Ian Fleming novel. And what they liked about this is that uh, John Kennedy actually said this was one of his, not only his favorite Ian Fleming Bond novel, but one of his favorite novels altogether. And Kennedy was very popular at the time. And so they said, you know what, we're, we're going to make this one. And... So they went with this, and the reason, you know, it's a more, the, the reason why it's different, it's, it's a lot different from Dr. No is it's a, it's a lot more of a complex story. Yes, yes. So, so Dr. No itself, and I'm not, and anything I say here about Dr. No is, you know, negative is not bad. Oh. I like, I love Dr. No. It's probably my third favorite Connery movie. It's different, though. I mean, it, it is different, and, it, and, it, and it's different. And it's not, and it's not because, you know, it's, it's, it's worse or anything like that. It's, it's because it was the first one that was really made. Oh yeah. So. Well, this one, I mean, from Russia with love, I mean, it's, I mean, I was reading things where, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cold war spy thriller. It's pretty much what I get. Dr. No is like on a beach locale. So you get two different vibes from what I gather right off the bat. Yeah, you do. And, and Dr. No had a lot of, had a lot like a lighter feel to it. Yeah. So it gave off, you know, like some of the humor between the Felix Leiter character and Bond and, you know, Quarrel. And then you have that god awful underneath the mango tree song that's, <laughs> you know, towards the end of it. And that stuff is all pretty much absent from Rush with Love. They get kind of get down to business in this one. Yeah. Now, you do hear about now this one. You really get into what Spectre is all about. You do hear about Spectre, the organization. Um, in Dr. No, which stands for Special Executive Counterintelligence for Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. And Dr. No kind of explains that a little bit in that movie, but he doesn't really go far into the organization itself. You just know kind of he's an operative. In this movie, you kind of see how every how the organization works, and you get introduced to the, you know, basically the head of the whole organization, Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Now, you don't see him except for his the lower half of him, basically, and him petting his cat, who is yeah. the uh, inspiration for Mr. Bigglesworth and Austin Powers. Yes, yes, he is. And, um, and Blofeld, actually, it's, it's kind of funny because we, we've talked about Anthony Dawson recently in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And Anthony Dawson, that's who you see. That's whose hands are petting the cat. That's him doing that. Oh, really? Yes. You, you never see his face, but that's actually him doing it. And uh, so it, it gives it gives a good mystery around the head, you know, of the organization itself. But it kind of gives you an impression of how it works, how they operate. They refer to each other as, you know, number one, number two, number three, and so on. Before we go on, does this character you don't have to give it away? Does he appear in other movies? He does appear in Blofeld. Yes. Yes. Okay. I have... it, okay. So when, I'll go back to Austin Powers real quick. Because Austin Powers his, took a lot from these movies, obviously. Yeah. So. One of the characters in this movie uh, is Rosa Klebb. She's one of the basically henchmen for Spectre, and she is the inspiration for Frau Farbisna in Austin Powers. Okay, yes, yes, and yes. and you and the once you think about that, you can put you can put that together pretty pretty quickly. 
Also, um, I, I mentioned Mr. Bigglesworth. And then Blofeld, the version of Blofeld that you see in Austin Powers is a version of Blofeld you see in You Only Live Twice. Oh. The one played by Donald Pleasance. Gotcha. Oh, see, that's where I was. I thought Pleasance, that's who I thought Pleasance was. And I thought he was showing up in this, but he didn't. But now it makes sense to me now. Yeah, because there's a different actor. Yeah. Basically, when you see Blofeld in the movies later on, there's a different one playing him in every movie. That, okay, that makes sense. No. Yeah, I mean, you had Telly Savalas playing him in our Manchester Secret Service. Really? Yeah. I, see, this is why I'm excited that I started doing this because I for—I mean, I forgot all of this. And that's why when you, we were talking about it, I'm like, I realize I don't know anything. And this is something that's really interesting. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's and once you watch these movies, you see a lot of uh, actors who actually were in, because were there are some actors who were in previous Bond movies that appear in later Bond movies. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. and and this is this is no exception. One of the um other Spectre henchmen in this movie, who doesn't get a ton of screen time, but his name is Morzani. He's played by Walter Gotel. He is in. He plays General Gogo in all the Roger Moore movies. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So in I'm looking here. He's also in one of my favorites, The Boys from Brazil. He's a he's a good actor, Walter Gogol. Yeah, he and he he kept that role of General Gogol pretty much from the Spy I Love Me all the way through View to a Kill. So that was the third Roger Moore movie all the way through his last. So he was pretty much in every one of them. So, but in this one, he's a Spectre operative, and you see him like he doesn't get a ton of screen time, but he gets significant amount to where you you like oh that's when I first saw this one, I was like oh that's the guy. Of course, I was a kid, but I was like. Hey, that's a guy from uh, Spy Who Loved Me. You know, I'm like, I remember that guy. Um, and a little side note too about Anthony Dawson, who plays. Uh, this is kind of funny to bring this up because uh, last night I was kind of perusing through some different movies on TCM. Anthony Dawson, who is a uh, professor Denton, Doctor No, he directed this movie. Um, and, and it's like a total B horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's called The Wild Wild Planet. Okay. And it it is it's made nineteen sixty five. It is like Plan Nine of Outer Space. Awesome. Oh, I'm gonna have to watch that. And in color. <laughs> in color. Well, that's amazing. But he directed the movie. And I was I was going through it. My like, Andy Dawson. I'm like, I know shit. That guy directed this movie. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I mean, he's in he's in Ghoulies too. The Jigsaw Man. I mean, yeah. He's in some he's in some uh, some some good B B stuff. Yeah. This um, one's called if I'm not mistaken, it's called the Wild Wild Planet. It's <laughs> dude. It's it's a good time. Definitely. It's a light good time, but it's a good time. But anyway, so back to this film. So for Much With Love also introduced some things that you would see in the Bond universe, pretty much the Bond universe for the next, all the way through the Brosnan era. And the Daniel Craig era is a little bit different because it kind of rebooted it. So just a little. Yeah. So so like it's like in these James Bond movies, is he playing different like is the Pierce Bronson supposed to be in the same age as the Sean Connery one, or are they different ages, different time periods, or is it all supposed to be the same? How's it's that- all well, they're all kind of in the same universe. The Daniel Craig one's the only one's kind of I feel it's in a different universe. Gotcha. Okay. So there's there's not a lot of continuity in the Bond movies except for when he's you know going up against Spectre because Spectre keeps reappearing in the Connery movies, and the Roger Moore the only time you see Blofeld in the Roger Moore films is the very beginning the pre-title sequence of Free Your Eyes Only, which also is the only time you hear of another with the exception from Rush with Love which I'll get to in a second 
you hear about a previous Bond girl in another movie because you don't once Bond girls are, are done in that movie, you, you don't hear about them again. Yeah. They're pretty much done. But that's what I'm saying. The Daniel Craig era is different because they come back. Yeah. You know, yeah. so and they're part of it. So it's it that's why it this is this doesn't really include the Craig ones. But so for much with love, it took things from Dr. Nolan kind of added to it. It is a little grittier and it's a lot more complex. And it is like more of a of a straightforward spy story, which I, I like better. Some people find it a little more boring, but I I, I, I like that. Oh yeah, it was cool. Um, the cast they brought Bernard Lee back as M, who's yeah. you know head of MI six there, and Bernard Lee was also one of my favorite movies ever, The Third Man. And uh, Lois Maxwell is Money Penny again. She comes back, and Lois Maxwell played Money Penny all the way through A View to a Kill, which is Roger Moore's last movie. That's so a big. He played that. Yeah, she played that for years. Long time to play that role. That was. Oh yeah. And this is the first movie you see um, Desmond Llewellyn play Q. Oh, okay. So we're introduced to Q character. Now, he's not referred to as Q in this movie. He's referred to just as Major Boothroyd, which is his actual name. And, but the first movie, Dr. No, you do see him briefly. He comes in and gives Bond his Walter PPK in place of his Beretta. But he's not really referred to as anything, so you don't really know who the character is. In this movie, he comes in and gives Bond his first, you know, real gadgets in the suitcase and everything like that. It's the first time you really see Bond get fancy gadgets, which is a staple throughout, you know, pretty much all the movies up until the Craig era, obviously. So you get an idea of now of or not an idea, you get a feel of what the Bond universe is going to be for the next, you know, several years. And Desmond Llewellyn played him all the way through the world. Not, yeah, the world is not enough with Pierce. So it was 19, right around 1997, 98. So he played him for a good 25 years or so. And he appeared in every movie with the exception of, I want to say, Live and Let Die was the only exception where he didn't appear. But other than that, you saw him in every movie up until then. So he played with Sean Connery, Roger Moore, George Lazenby, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, all of them. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, and it's 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 crazy how you could stick with a series that long. I mean, it's got to be some of the the most that an actor's in the series, you know, in a series that amount. Yeah, between him, if you think about it, him and Money Penny, were just. I mean, they were in just a ton of them. Bernard Lee was M in a lot of them, and he he passed away just before. Uh, I think Octopussy was his was the first time that he wasn't M because he died just shortly before that. Bill played M all the way through there too. It's a lot of M. Oh, yeah. yeah, so there's there's a lot of consistency in the movies, and they stuck with what worked and what was popular. And this was, like I said, this is the first movie that kind of set that tone. This is also the first one where you have a pre-title sequence followed by an opening title musical sequence. And if you if you watch Bond movies, you know that they kind of have their own very unique opening title musical sequences. Pretty much all of them. And Dr. No didn't have that. Dr. No had the gun barrel scene, you know, at the very beginning. Yeah. He shoots the gun barrel and then it kind of goes into the titles and then it goes right in the story. This one has a pre, you know, has a gun barrel sequence like all of them do. And then it has a pre-title sequence. And then it goes into the actual title musical sequence itself before it gets in the actual movie. So they kept with that all the way through. 
and even the Daniel Craig ones even do that as well. Um, this movie is also the first one where you see like real henchmen. So you had guys like, you know, evil guys like Professor Dent and such, you know, in the first one in Dr. No, but you didn't really have henchmen. When I say henchmen, I'm talking guys like you see later on, like Jaws, Odd Job, you know, characters like that. This one, you have Donald Red Grant and Red Grant, you know, and he's played by Robert Shaw, who we all know Robert Shaw. And most people, when think of Robert Shaw, think of Quint from Jaws, and he's almost unrecognizable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's got, you know, this straight, flowing, blonde hair. He looks like they make him look a lot larger and more menacing. And he doesn't really seem to speak a line of dialogue until, like, the last half hour of the movie when they're on the train. So he kind of put the tone for the introduction into the movie. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, it was cool how they kind of did that kind of getting. He was part of the uh, opening pre-title sequence. And that's when I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. Um, I like also like his bleach blonde hair. I mean, he he, he has a whole unless it's not bleach blonde, but he looked like like he like that's what's cool about the henchmen in these in these movies. Like you mentioned before, Jaws, everyone's got like a a peculiar look or a cool look, and this movie had was no um you know it was definitely not not for the shy for that. So that was really cool. Um, Robert Shaw, I love him in The Sting. I think he's great in The Sting too. But yeah, he was awesome in this movie. Yeah, and he he played a different type. You know, he's usually because he's so he was he was a theater actor, so well spoken. All the movies he's in, Evan remembers him for for his dialogue and things he says. Yeah. In this movie, it's different. Yeah, that's true. It's almost like for what he doesn't say, but what he the way he acts and does and goes about his business. I have to look more into some of his other movies. I do like him, and also in the Taking of Pelham one, two, and three, he was pretty good in that. The original. Um, yeah, I gotta watch some of these movies. I'm looking. Yeah, and his his last movie was uh, Force Ten from Navarone. Oh, that wow. movie actually, actually, I think he just died right in that movie got released right before it got released. But he was in that with Harrison Ford and another Bond girl, Barbara Brock. Bach was in that movie. Awesome. And Richard Keel, who played Jaws, was also in that movie. Very awesome. Um, but he's yeah, he's great in this one. Um, Lot Lenya is Rosa Klebb, and she's just a just a sadistic woman. And she's perfect for Spectre. And um, the main Bond girl in this one is played by Daniela Bianchi, who is an Italian actress slash more of a model than an actress. And you can kind of tell. I mean, not that she's she's horrible in the movie, but I mean, she's... She doesn't really in much besides, you know, she didn't do a whole... Yeah, she didn't do a whole lot besides this. Uh, Pedro Armendariz is uh, Karen Bay, and he's uh, Bond's contact in Istanbul. And he was actually, he actually had cancer during this movie and was dying. And he did this to, you know, get more money for his family before he passed away. And I think he did actually die before this movie was also released as well. Very interesting. It says here he had neck cancer. Yeah. He was filming a movie where they're doing some nuclear testing somewhere. And they were thinking that 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 had something to do with it. Because I guess several people that were out there filming it had the same issue. I have to look more into something like that. I have to look more into yeah, that. That's yeah. what I heard. Now, his son, it's kind of funny because, you know, I said a lot of things, you know, a lot of characters repeat. This isn't a repeat character, but his son actually portrayed President Hector Lopez in the end of, uh, not the end of it, during and the end of uh, License to Kill. Oh, really? Okay. So he's the one that Talisa Soto walks away with at the very end. 
That's the guy, who, Pedro Amandaris, who plays Karen Bays. That, that's actually his son. Oh, yeah. It says he's in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, too. He's in yeah. Cool. So the cast is, you know, there's an interesting cast. Um, there's some people that, you know, aren't very well-known, but there's some people, obviously, who are well-known who went on to do some great things. Um, but the, what's, what's also good about this movie, too, as opposed to Dr. No, is Dr. No, that kind of used... Ursula Andrus kind of more as his window dressing. Yeah. Kind of a, a girl to have for Bond there. And this one, the female characters in this one really push the plot. They're really involved in it. So between Rosa Klebb and uh Danielle Bianchi, Danielle Bianchi's character's name is Tatiana Romanova, their characters really push this plot along the entire movie. They do. So you didn't see that in Doctor No, but you would see that, you know, in Bond movies, every Bond movie pretty much there on out. And Cleb Cleb basically is one of the one of the henchmen who come, who sets up this whole plot to lure Bond into because uh, basically they're interested in getting a decoding machine. It's called a Lecter decoding machine. And from the Russian government, because even though Rosa Klebb is Russian and she's actually in the Russian government, she's actually working for Spectre. She's kind of a double agent. And they're trying to accomplish two things. They're trying to steal Lecter decoding machine. And they're also trying to get revenge on Bond for killing Dr. No. So it's kind of a dual purpose here with what they're attempting to do. And Klebb's very good in it. I mean... He's, I mean, she's as nasty as they come when it comes to pond women. I mean, she really yeah. is. They made sure she was like that. And uh, it's funny, too, because, like, this is one of the Bond movies where uh, you don't. And the Conor, I guess a lot of the comedy movies were like that because Blofeld was always the, you know, the head henchman, not henchman, but the head of the organization. You don't get to see Bond confront Blofeld in this movie. No. No. He just fights the henchman, and once that is over, it's basically that's when the story ends. But that's what I mean. That's what's so cool about these movies, like you said, is these characters they grow, and that's why I'm excited as as it goes on to see. Because honestly, when I watched them the first time, um, I actually had the most fun with the Roger Moore one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I remember as a kid going to the video store, and the title that always grabbed me from Russia with love for some reason I don't know why because he was on the front with the gun and there's fire behind him and for a long time I actually thought this was a later um, I thought this one was later I didn't realize it was the second one until I watched it the, the first time about 10 years ago but I, I liked I liked it a lot um, Sean Connery definitely you can see more of why you know people enjoy him as Bond you know he does a really good job too I think um, he's just got a cool, you know, he's got a cool way, I think. Yeah, he's, uh, this. he said this was his favorite Bond movie to film. This was his favorite one. You know, I mean, I, I could imagine, you know, just from the, the standpoint of playing a character, I'm sure the last one or two, you know, he's probably, you know, I'm not saying tired doing it, but, you know, this is like a fresh, I mean, Dr. No was great, but like you said, this was like, you knew you had something different with this movie than you did with the first one. Um, the first one's great because all the rest of them are great. Um, but I wonder if they never made another movie with Dr. No just by itself be realized as a good Bond movie. You know, I don't know. 
For Us With Love is a goodbye movie just by itself. Um, it reminds me a lot. You can see a lot of movies like The Bourne Identity. Mm-hmm. Not that it's like that, but it takes, it steals a lot of stuff. That Cold War, which you'd rather watch it from from Russia with Love than Born Identity. But uh, definitely enjoyable movie. I mean, it it made $79 million on a $2 million budget. Um, Karen Young, who directed this one, you know, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, when he did, so he did Dr. No, he did uh, this one, and then he did um, Thunderball as well. Yep. So he, they made sure that he was back for this one because after the success of the first one, they wanted to make sure that they'd get as much of the actual crew back as they could, and, which, is, which is a smart uh, move, you know. Yeah, and a movie you actually brought up to me the other day too. Um, he, I didn't realize he did Wait Until Dark also. Oh yeah, he did do Wait Until Dark. Yeah. So you, you say like those are that's some pretty cool movies. He's he's you know, a big, cool director for that time period doing movies like that. I'll definitely have to like look into some of the more of these. I'm looking at them now. I've seen a couple of them. But this one looks cool. The Dirty Game. You ever see this one with Henry Fonda? I don't know. I haven't seen that one. I didn't even heard of this movie. But, like, that's what's awesome when you find out a director and you go through some of the movies that you missed. But, yeah, he did really good. Really good. It was a good, definitely a good movie. I'm excited to watch. I mean, I, I own Goldfinger. That was one that back a while ago when I first started collecting DVDs, I bought. Actually, for a long time, I thought that was the first one. You know, something interesting about Goldfinger, and this, this, I'm going to go back to the Craig, go on a little side note here to yeah. the Craig movies. Yeah. So, Goldfinger is the only countering one that didn't really involve Spectre. Okay. It, you know, it, so they made from they made Doctor No, they made from Rush with Love, then they made Goldfinger, and they got away from Spectre, and then once they got in a Thunderball, they went back into that story. So, what here's what kind of bothered me a little bit about the Craig movies. They, I, I wish what I wish they would have done was make Skyfall their version of Goldfinger, to where it had nothing to do with the organization Quantum or anything like that. I don't like that the Craig movies brought Spectre back and then kind of minimized what Quantum actually was. I didn't think they need to bring Spectre back at all. They could have made Quantum the new Spectre. If they're going to reboot this thing, why bring Spectre back? Why didn't make Quantum the new Spectre yeah. instead of being like a division of Spectre or something like that and then having, you know, Blofeld, you know, Christoph Waltz's Blofeld, you know, set up all these, you know, all these scenarios and things that Bond has to go through, you know, to get to him. I, I, I wish that Quantum would have been the actual lead organization rather than kind of getting it minimized. And Skyfall itself, I kind of wish would have been like the Goldfinger where it just got away because it was just Silva trying to get revenge on M and such. And then, you know, the next movie, which ended up being Spectre, they could have gotten back to Quantum again. That's true. So yeah. I, that's that, that's what bothers me about like the Craig, not, I love the Craig movies. I think Daniel Craig's a great Bond. It's he's a different Bond, but like that's one of the things I was kind of like, eh, I kind of wish it had gone this direction. But you yeah, know. I mean that's that's you know when you got a series like this that's so big and so long. I mean, you know, I mean again, you're gonna there's a lot of people. You know, it seems sounds like I mean you like the majority of it, right? I mean, do you have any problems with the James Bond series? No, I mean, 
there's some movies I think. Okay, you know what? I'll tell you what I do. Die Another Day sucks. <laughs> That's the last Brosnan one. That movie, that movie sucked. Um, the last two Connery movies, You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever, aren't very good. Now, are they watchable? Yeah. Diamonds Are Forever is pretty ridiculous, but it's, I think, more watchable than You Only Live Twice. But that's just my opinion. And if it's on TV, I'll be watching it. So it's not like it's a, it's unwatchable or anything like that. But but you put those movies next to, like, you know, Dr. No, Goldfinger for Much of Love. You know, it, it, there's no comparison. It's like he peaked with uh, Goldfinger. Then I kind of... Now, Thunderball was good, but it wasn't as good as the first three, in my opinion. So it, he kind of peaked on his third movie and kind of started sliding down after that. Gotcha. And, you know, Diamonds Are Forever was interesting because, you know, they had the Lazenby movie on a Magic Secret Service in between You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever. Now, real quick, why did they do that? Well, Connery wanted out. Okay, was that what it was? He was done. And so they brought Lazenby in. And now, Honor and Magic Secret Service is a good movie in and of itself, but... It's it's kind of and it's more appreciated now than it was at the time because everyone just didn't like it because it wasn't Connery. Gotcha. So, but and plus at the end of that movie, you know, it's like you see Bond like for the first time be like emotionally sad and like is it something you haven't seen before? And when I when I'm you know and that's another thing the, the Bond girl from that movie who's played by Diana Rigg, who is in the all time greatest movie ever, The Great Muppet Caper. Um, <laughs> She, you know, plays, gets married to him and get, then gets killed at the end. Her character is brought up again, and this is one of the few exceptions I was talking about earlier, where a Bond girl makes a reappearance. Her character gets brought up again in a, in a For Your Eyes Only, because you see Roger Moore at the beginning of that movie in front of her grave, visiting her grave. And then License to Kill, once Felix Slider gets married, you know, his wife mentions, you know, something about why doesn't Bond get married or his, was he ever, and then Felix like, well, he was married once, but that was a long time ago. So they, they kind of mentioned it again. So that's why I'm saying it's kind of in the same universe all these movies are, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's very that's... rare that you see a Bond girl make an appearance again or even get mentioned again. Now, what's cool about From Much of Love, if I can go back to this a second, Sylvia Trench the very first girl you see in the very first, I should say, Bond girl you see in Dr. No, the one he meets at the poker table there, um, she's back in from, at the beginning of From Russia with Love. And you never see that again. Like he's with her in a little boat and they're, have, they're doing a little thing and then he gets called in again to go away. And, but that's the only time you ever see a Bond girl really reappear in another Bond movie until the Craig era. Have you or do you know anyone who's ever read one of these Ian Fleming novels? I haven't read any of the novels myself, really know anybody I'm who's... Curious, I'm curious, because I'm looking at them here. I mean, they're from... I mean, obviously, then, not... A lot of these movies are not a novel, you know, because he only made here. I'm looking here. looks like about 13, 15, 17, somewhere around there, kind of Bond novels, but there's a lot more movies. So, obviously, they had to write... Outside of the novels, is that what you're thinking? Because like, there's no. Uh, well, eventually they did, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. But you still, know. when you think of these novels being written, you know, the last one was written '66. For that to still now, we're still talking about it. Um, do you think they're? Um, 
when do you think they're going to pick, or do you have any ideas where it's going to go from here? No, I I don't know where it's going to go from here. It's there's so many different rumors of who's going to play them. Um, if um, if they're going to be doing a Bond movie anytime soon, um, they haven't really said if there's you know there's really no timeline on that. I mean. You know, they're good. there's going to be something. It's he's going to be back. They mentioned at the end of this movie, James Bond will return. You know, they did put that, but um, you know, Lashana Lynch's character Nomi in this uh, the newest Bond movie, they may do. And I heard they may do like a spinoff series with her character as a double O agent. So that might happen, um, but I don't know. There's always different rumors that like you know, Tom Hardy may end up playing him. I always thought Michael Fassbender should have you know. Yeah. Been picked to play Emma Gantner. He'd be great. He'd be really good. Um, I, I really don't know. I don't think anyone really knows. If they say they do, they're lying. But yeah. Until it's announced, that's generally... Um, yeah, until it is. But, like, it's... These movies, like, these Connery movies are cool because, like... And I hope they don't ever, like, remake them. I, I really don't. You know, I, you know, Casino Royale was kind of, like, a different thing because yeah. Casino Royale... You know, it was kind of a spoof when they when they did make it. But they actually, the first time you ever see a James Bond character is it was I want to say it was 1959, 1958. It was a short, like an hour long series on uh, network television. It was called the series is called the Climax, and they do like different uh, um, stories and things like that. And one of them was Casino Royale, and it starred uh, Barry Nelson as James Bond, an American as James Bond. And Lashif was played by um, who played Lashif in that movie? But uh, it's it's an hour long, and it's black and white, and it's based off a of Casino Royale. Interesting. And it's it doesn't really it it, it has like you know they're playing um I want to say they're playing Backrack. That's kind of the uh, version of it. Um, the version, of, you know, in Casino Royale, the newer one, they're playing Texas Hold'em. It's kind of whatever is popular at the time. And uh, it's not very good. But it's an introduction to the character, so. It know. is an introduction to the character, and uh, you kind of get an idea of what he's about. But, like, he plays the Bond movie, the Bond character kind of in a different way. And uh, that's the first time you ever see like James Bond in um, anything. And they, and I'm really glad that they didn't go with that version of it. Yeah. Oh, I know who played Lashif. Uh, Peter Lorre played Lashif. Oh, Peter Lorre. So he's in that as Lashif. Peter Lorre is very awesome. Yeah. So it just dawned on me. I was like, wait a um, So that's the first thing you ever see him. And that was a couple years before Dr. Noah, you know, even came out. And then they revisit Casino Royale, you know, with the Peter Sellers and David Niven version. And just because, you know, I said it's kind of a spoof. And then uh, they brought it back for uh, the Daniel Craig one, which was very good. But For Much With Love is my definitely my favorite Connery movie. Um, I think it has kind of all the all the facets I like of a Bond film. And I, I, my favorite, and I've told you this before, my favorite Bond is Roger Moore. His movies were kind of more ridiculous, and they were kind of just, you know, action-adventure movies. But this one, but I like this one a lot because the action's great in this one. The fight scenes, I mean, the right. gypsy camp fight scene's great in this. The, the fight scene between him and uh, Robert Shaw and the trains is unbelievable. 
Yeah, they're really good in this in this one. Yeah, and they are. And you don't really uh you didn't really get scenes like that back then in those types of movies. So, um, you know, those were, those, I mean, they were violent, like this brutal hand to hand fights. Real quick before we go, I wanted to ask you, um, what's your favorite TV show you're watching this year so far? Anything new that's come out this year that you're watching that you like? Um, I don't know about anything new I've been watching. I just got done watching the most recent episode of The Boys the other night. Hey, okay, so this season of Boys, you're watching this season. Um, that show's awesome. I, yeah, I watched that. I watched, you know, I watched Obi Wan, and that's awesome. a mixed bag for me. You know, there's as a Star yeah. Wars fan, you know, we're always pissed off about something. But we recorded um, the episode this past a couple days ago because um, uh, millennials in in San Francisco, and he went on a rant about it. He didn't like it at all, um, but uh, for different reasons, not because it wasn't good, but it feels like some of the characters don't really do as much as they should. But uh, the boys, though, that's a show's awesome. That's a really yeah, that show is awesome. It's continued to be pretty awesome. Honestly, you know? I had no interest in watching that until I was told, like, you should check it out. Um, the characters are actually for that kind of mo- uh, show. They're really, they're really good. It's it's it's, pretty, it's a pretty creative thing they did with a, a take on you know and superheroes how they'd be treated you know nowadays and handled and everything like that and how they're not how superheroes aren't all like you know good people doing good things you know like this oh, is no, you don't you don't see a lot of that sometimes no and it, and it's not for the faint of heart either there is oh, so, no. this oh, newest no. season i mean takes things to even a new level oh it takes it, it takes, oh my lord it takes it up and it there it's crazy yeah like you said it really takes it takes it a step a step up um it's a really good show um if you get a chance i think i've told you before but definitely check out that jeff bridges show the old man. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I do have to watch that. I've yep. I just been watching different movies and stuff. I haven't watched many shows. I did watch Ozark. I finished that off a while back when that was done. That was, but that was a good. That was a good series. Yeah, a lot of people. I mean, everyone knows Ozark and you know the boys and stuff like that. Those are the kind of ones that have stuck. I watched Winning Time. You know. Oh, that was good. That was good too. And I know it wasn't the most accurate thing in the world, but it was. It was. It was. It was. It, 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 was, was, it was. It was a lot of fun. I like those. So, I like seeing actors just just do it. You know, just get in there and act like Adrian Brody did a good job. Even Jason Segal. I mean, a lot of these actors, you don't. Jason you, Clark was just Jason Clark awesome. One of my favorites. Jerry West. Um, I can talk about him in a lot of different movies. Um, Man, he, he's, he's a very underrated actor who should get some more well, prominent reminds, roles. Like, he reminds me of a, an actor that could have been the, you know, maybe not. You know, I could be stretching it, but he could do the Robert Shaw character in From Russia with Love. Um, he's got a look. He's got an he's he's a good actor, you know. I mean, he's not he's you don't see a Jason Clark in every type of uh, actor. So yeah, no, he's he's really good. I like him. Um, John C. Riley. I know he's goofy, but he's got some good roles early in his career. Solid. He's a solid actor for what. No, John. Does. Yeah, he's whenever he you, you never look at a movie that he's in and say, well, he wasn't good. No, he's good in everything. He's he's probably one of the best in everything he does. You know. No. Um, I, you know, you could even, you know, you think of him in something even like he doesn't do too many anymore, but like Magnolia, you know, Boogie Nights, um, you know, he's Hard Eight, Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good in that. But yeah, that's all. That's awesome. Um, yeah, all good shows. Definitely watching some good shows. The movies this year, I haven't really. There isn't too much too good. I don't know if you've seen anything brand new this year that you liked. 
I mean, that's that's, likes. that's um, a, dislikes. What did you see anything this year that you saw that you disliked that was new? I'm trying to think again. What even the last movie I went and saw was? I know it's it's tough. Um, well, I think no. I seriously, I think No Time to Die might have been the last movie I saw. Oh, in so the you theater. saw that in the movie theater? Oh, that's cool. At least I'm trying uh, to think okay. of movies I saw in the movie theater, but um, I haven't seen a movie in the movie theater in a while. Um, a long while. I was gonna go maybe this past week, but then I'm just like, I don't know. There's a there's a lot of movies and, and we we've talked about this with uh, my buddy Mike, you know, going to see, you know, at the Gene Sisko Film Center is great about showing old movies. Yeah, that's something. That and the TCM always- has their uh, Phasm events at you know at the Showplace in Cherville, you know, and you you know that's what's cool about these older movies. Um, there's so many, you know, that a lot of people haven't seen, and they're definitely worth sometimes going back and watching. That's why the James Bond movies, are, the majority of them are all on Amazon right now. That's kind of why I started this, because they're easy access. Mm-hmm. But even, like, honestly, for a long time, I, even the last couple of years, not really this year so much, but the last few years before uh, all of it went down, I'd go to the library and just find a lot of old movies. And just the DVD, I don't care. I'll watch, I'll watch anything. Um, but um, I definitely appreciate you coming on and talking. Well, I appreciate you having me. I would um, definitely love to come on again. Definitely. Uh, anytime. I love these classic movie talks. I mean, everyone needs to know a lot of these older movies. And honestly, since the first time of talking to you, I've really been able to really start going back and looking at some of those. And it's, it's really, it's a never-ending sea where, like, sometimes I get angry at the newer movies. And I'm like, don't get angry at the newer movies. You can go back and watch so many awesome older movies. Well, that's, that's what, and that's what I've been doing. That that's the thing. Like I've probably missed out on so many newer movies because I, not, there's so much that was already done that I haven't seen. I keep going back and back and back and back and back. Um, I miss some of the newer ones that come out. Last night I got, uh, and I, I'm not like I used to be a lot when I was younger, but I'm still stuck cheesily watching wrestling. And the pay per view was last night. But you told me you were watching those classic movies. And what I always put myself in when I hear about them is like, you know, lights turn down low, chill, and you watch these cool movies and you pay attention and there's so much coolness to it that, you know, definitely it's awesome that you you do that. So that's really cool. Um, Also, I was going to say, you could think, um, I may have some free tickets this next Saturday if you're free. I may be. I'll have to check my schedule. Yeah, check. I, don't, I don't really have a schedule, but I'll check and see what I'm check, doing. Check, see what's going on. If not, I may have some, and we may be able to go to the game. That would be awesome. All I'll right. Be playing much better baseball. Yes, yes, and hopefully today we can take that sweep. Yeah, we'll see about that. I know. I'm not really too uh, – I honestly, I need to see a good five-game stretch of good baseball. Um, before I even start to say anything. But I do get two wins are awesome, but I also am watching the job. All right. We're about to have the film Dove swoop on by. Tell us what her some of her favorite shows are. Let's see what they were. Tweet, tweet. The film Dove is here. Let's hear what some of her favorite television shows were this year. My number one favorite show from this year on HBO is Succession with Brian Cox, who is a legend, along with The White Lotus, uh, Euphoria, The Staircase, all on HBO, but also a new show, The Bear on FX with Jeremy Allen White. Okay, yeah, we have a 
about White Lotus. All that show was amazing, definitely. Really good. All right. That was a nice little interview. Just kind of give you another different perspective. What I wanted to finish up with tonight was um, a new thing called a triple play. Uh, these are three movies that maybe you haven't seen from the past that maybe if you get some time, you'd want to go back and check out. Generally, they're all going to be something that maybe you have heard of and maybe you haven't seen. Uh, maybe you've heard of and maybe you've missed. But all around something you want to check out. The first one we're going to pick tonight is a thriller by Clint Eastwood titled Play Misty for Me from 1971. It also stars Jessica Walter and Donna Mills. Really, 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 really good movie. Um, Eastwood is a radio disc jockey who a woman becomes obsessed and she calls in and she wants him to play Misty for her. Well, let me just say, uh, Fatal Attraction, a great, another great movie. A uh, lot of, lot of, a lot of inspiration from this movie. Uh, Clint, you get to see Clint a little out of his element as a scorned uh, lover being chased by this woman, Jessica Walter. I think the most greatest thing about this movie is you don't find out until later in life that Jessica Walter played Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development. So to see her in a role like this, being a stalker woman, going after Clint Eastwood is definitely great and definitely worth the checking out. It's definitely, if it's time of release, it only had a $950,000 budget, but it made 10 times that with a $10.6 million at the box office. Uh, it was a critical success. Um, again, Golden Globe nominations for Walter for Best Picture in a Drama. So definitely, if you've never seen Play Misty for me, that's definitely one worth checking out and definitely one worth your time. The second one we're going to talk about is 1984's Against All Odds, directed by Taylor Hackford, starring Rachel Ward, Jeff Bridges, and Je James Woods. Um, really, really great movie. Um, Ex-football player Alex Karras. He is also in the movie. I like this plot. The plot is about an aging football star who is who is a hired by a mobster to find his girlfriend. Um, again, Phil Collins came up with a really, really great song called Against All Odds. I like this movie since the first time I've seen it. I've always liked movies like this. Um, the title song, again, it was nominated for an Academy Award as Best Original, and for a Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song, as well as a Grammy for Best Pop Vocal Performance. So a lot is coming from this song in this movie. Uh, I always liked it. Um, I like the the way it looks. I like James Jeff Bridges all the time. is great. James Woods is always awesome as a sleaze, and this is really no exception to the fact. Definitely worth checking out. Um, again, Jeff Bridges, also in this movie, uh, was used as a, a reference to recreate his character in the newest Tron movie, Tron Legacy. So they used his look in this movie as kind of a basis to what they wanted the newest Tron to look like. So it's very, very interesting. Again, check it out. Great soundtrack. 
great cast. Uh, definitely, definitely worth the checkout. And the last one that I we will be digging deep in really quickly is Michael Clayton. Really, really excellent movie shot by Tony Gilroy. Produced by Sidney Pollack. Again, great cast. Tilda Swinton, Tom Wilkinson, George Clooney. Uh, Sidney Pollack's also in the movie. Um, just really, 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 really intense. Really, really, really good all around. Um, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Score, Best Original Screenplay, Best Actor for Clooney, Best Supporting Actor for Wilkinson, and Best Supporting Actress for Swinton. So again, across the board, really, really interesting um, and great nominations there. Uh, Clooney plays a lawyer named Michael Clayton who discovers a cover-up over the effects of toxic agrochemicals. So a classic cover-up tale. It is original. It is cool. Um, Tony Gilroy, I think, does a very, very good job um, in this, in directing this. I think he he definitely is showcasing some of his talents. He went on to, after that, do The, the Bourne Legacy. Uh, but he's also a big writer, too, before Michael Clayton. He's writ, written the other Bourne movies. He also wrote The Devil's Advocate, a classic movie with... Um, Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. But again, here are three movies that you should definitely check out. Play Misty for me, Against All Odds, and Michael Clayton. All of the thriller variety, all in different kind of, you know, variations. But definitely, definitely worth checking out. Uh, really quick, a movie you might want to skip because I wish I did after how long it was. And that was House of Gucci. You might want to stay away from House of Gucci. Um, I finally got around to watching it. Um, Adam Driver's great in it. Uh, Lady Gaga does a good job. Jared Leto's ridiculous. Pacino's Pacino. Something about the story, just the script and the way it was flowing. Um, it started out the first five minutes. I thought it was going to be a pretty good, but that might be one you want to stay away from. So three good ones, one you might want to stay away from. But again... Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I want to thank everybody who has been a part of this halftime episode. Um, I hope everybody has had a good time. And I hope we continue to uh, enjoy go listening and watching and, and talking about film and television and everything else that comes along with it. So thank you again very much. Next week we will have a brand new episode, so please stay tuned. And again... I want to thank my co-host, Millennial Socks, Adam. Thank you so much. And again, thank you, the other Adam, for joining me and everyone else who's been a part of this episode. So again, let thank you for letting us be the hookup on film, and we will talk to you again soon. Have a good rest of your week.